Today's episode is brought to you by Reef Builders, winner of Best of Hows, five years running. Reef Builders is a Tempe, Arizona-based, full-service design-build construction company. What's a design-build company? It means you deal with one company for everything. Reef Builders is able to take your vision and bring it to life by drawing your plans, producing photorealistic, high-resolution 3D renderings of your kitchen, baths, and more, helping you design and pick your finishes, and finally, executing that vision. With their years of building experience and a superior client experience, using tools such as online project management software through their client portal that allows you to see your renovation in real time. Whether you're in town, on vacation, or living in another state, you have access to job progress photos, your build schedule, financials, and much more anywhere in the world. So if you're looking for a complete bath or kitchen renovation, a complete home renovation, a custom home designed and built, or a boutique commercial project built out, Reef Builders can deliver it. Reef Builders. Your vision, their experience delivered. Hey everybody, today's episode is actually was actually recorded with a friend of mine that wanted to tell his story for his podcast. His name is Dr. Whitney Wright. He is the uh, creator and... Um, uh, of the right podcast. So we took the opportunity to want to replay his story on our podcast for the fact that it's a very interesting story. He's a very successful man. He's been uh, up and down, uh, had some real realizations along the way um, that money isn't everything and success isn't everything. And this is his story. So this is the story of Dr. Whitney Wright. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Right Talk Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Whitney Wright. Very uh, happy and excited to be with my wonderful friend, Brandon Mion, who runs his own podcast, which is fantastic. It's called Make the Difference Podcast. And today we're going to do something a little differently. I have been receiving some, well, I don't know if it's questions or requests or whatnot, that I share a little bit more about my story. And I'm going to be honest, it's difficult to share your story just kind of by yourself. And so uh, since Brandon is so fantastic interviewing his guests and kind of getting into <laughs> the, the, the needy greedy, as Nacho, as Nacho Libre likes to say, uh, I, I said, Brandon, I, I, uh, I, need, I need to do that episode, the episode where someone interviews me and then we, uh, we go about it and, uh, and, and just see kind of where it goes. And so Brandon very graciously said, absolutely, you need to come down to my studio so you're not on your home turf and I can kind of be on my toes a little bit. So anyway, uh, very, very happy and uh, excited to introduce Brandon Mion from Reef Builders, who's uh, actually, he's he's grown to a, a really great friend of mine. He he built my house and uh, is helping me build a, a blazer and just, it just has been just a wonderful family friend through all of this. And so very excited to uh, to be part of his, uh, here in his studio with him today, uh, with him on the Right Talk podcast, but interviewing me in kind of a role reversal. So Brandon, thank you for hosting yeah, today. Yeah, totally appreciate it, man. I, uh... I can fully appreciate what you tried to do because I try to do the same thing myself. I try to sit down and tell my own story and yeah. you just get lost and you're just like 15 minutes later, you're frustrated. You're like, all right. There's so much and you yeah. don't know where to take it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, it, it's tough. So uh, thanks for trusting me, first of all, brother. Like, Absolutely. It's not a comfortable position to be in. I've been, in that, <laughs> I've been on that side. I'd rather be the dude interviewing everybody else. So I'm going to be real comfortable today. All and right. And you're going to be real uncomfortable. But, hey. <laughs> Let the sweats begin. Yeah, that's how we get it out. Yes. So, again, I'm Brandon Meon with Reef Builders and Make the Difference Podcast. Um, we're going to get this party started. So, Chris with 40 Volt Media is here. 
because uh, without him, uh, this would sound like crap. So yeah. thanks, Chris, for being here. Chris is the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's our technical advisor, and he is the uh, master of all beards. So. It, the beard expert. Yeah, beard, beard so. expert. <laughs> all right, man. So how we do it on ours is we just kind of, you got to go back. Yeah, so no, I'm happy to go back happy, from, yeah. from, from birth. All the way forward, and, and then when you try and dodge something, I'm going to <laughs> jump in there and ask for a little more information, and then we'll go from there. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds terrifying, but it sounds good. Yeah. So, so. Happy, happy to let you drive. So born here? Born and raised in Mesa, Arizona. I'm the sixth of nine kids. I uh, Let's see. Well, I was very quiet growing up, very shy. And part of that was, you know, due to the fact that in second grade, Whitney Houston went big. <laughs> and, you know, being, me being named Whitney, it just didn't, it, it just didn't work out right. You always be my hero, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> and so here, here I am, you know, I'm getting made fun of for having a girl's name. People call me Whitney Houston. I start going by the name of Wit. And so people started calling me Wit. And I remember in particular. What grade was this? This was second grade is when it started Maybe to happen. Right. And then in, in third grade, I remember that... Uh, my teacher referred to me as nitwit, oh, and boy. I know, right? And uh, female, uh, female. Oh, and in fact, she was my least favorite teacher. Yeah, why wouldn't she? I be? know, right? <laughs> and so it just—it also uh, that year coincided where I began to have massive migraines in school, and so I would—you uh, know—the headaches would start, and I would go and I would tell my teacher. Uh, I'm, Mrs. Swain, I just, I remember who she is. I said, Mrs. Swain, I don't feel well. I've got a headache coming on. And what would happen when I would get a migraine is uh, I would start to get this massive headache, crushing headache, and, and then uh, the lights would be too intense and I would end up vomiting. And, uh, and I would then go to sleep. And it's when I woke up from that sleep that my migraine would be gone. And so at one point, Miss Swain says to me, I think you're faking. I'm not, no, you can't go to the nurse. That's exactly what happened. I puked up all over her. I felt like chunk from the, uh, from the Goonies, you know, just <laughs> spilling it all over the place. And from then on, whenever I said I needed to go to the nurse, I was able to, I was always able to go She's to the nurse. Like, go now. I know, exactly. You know, and so anyway, so migraines started happening and I was getting made fun of for, uh, for having a girl's name. I was very quiet. Um, you know, later I, I begin to develop my personality, sense of humor and all that stuff. But I was, I was very shy. So you're six. Where do you fall in line? Like I'm the sixth of nine. So Uh, you're six younger side of it. Yes. Six younger side. So you have many brothers and sisters. So there's, there's, uh, Five boys and four girls in the family, and there's okay. essentially twenty years span between the oldest and the youngest. So you didn't even really know the oldest very well. You know, uh, growing up, he was always, uh, you know, grown ass man. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he he's grown up, and so I, uh, I, my my relationship with my siblings always has been great, you know. But I didn't know them as well, you know. They who's high school, you know. Yeah, for and, sure. And so it wasn't until you know I I'd grown up a little bit that. I began to develop these different relationships and friendships with my siblings that I cherish tremendously. Who is underneath you? So I've got uh, my my younger brother. I've got two younger brothers and a younger sister. Okay. And uh, and so yeah, it's uh, it 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 was kind of a, a bit of a wild ride for sure. How big a house? Small house? So growing up, uh, we were in a bit of a smaller house, and then we you know when I was in. When I was, I want to say, in second and third grade was when we moved to a much bigger house in East Mesa in the Orange Groves. And we were there for about two years, two and a half years. And then, you know, the the late 80s hit. There was a recession that happened. And uh, we decided to downsize. 
my parents moved us to another portion of Mesa, but we were still in the same high school, Mesa, uh, Mountain View High School District. The and Toros. That's right, the Toros. And uh, beat up on them as much as I could. Oh, man, <laughs> so many Toros to beat up on. And so, uh, and so now, you know, my parents are still in that same house that we, that we were in when we moved when I was in fourth grade. So. Did you, um, traditional, like old school, dad work, mom stayed at home? Correct, what, yeah. What did dad do? Dad's an attorney, real estate litigator. Okay. Uh, had his own firm here in, uh, in Arizona. Uh, and mom, homemaker, you know. So, so dad worked a lot of hours, probably. Yeah, he did work a lot of hours, uh, and was very involved in, uh, you know, church and you know being being the dad and providing yeah. and working with his clients and stuff like that. So a lot of a lot of busy time. Well, nine kids or whatever. Did you see him every night? Like, was he generally? Dinner? Generally, oh, yeah. Stuff. Generally, we had uh, we had breakfast every morning together as family. Oh, dinner nice. every night together as a family. So he was all he was there. All yeah, time. yeah. I mean, during the day we were at school and he was gone. We'd yeah. come home, do our homework, and then you know, dad would come home. We'd have dinner. Gotcha. So cool, like more of a serious dad or more like because you're a fun dad. You're like <laughs> always, like always joking, <laughs> laughing, like yeah, like you're a fun. Or is dad more like the typical lawyer type dad? Like no, he's a fun dad. Really fun dad. Uh, cool. Great sense of humor, and I think that's. Uh, I think I got a lot of my my ability to you know to tell jokes from my dad. Uh, just very very intelligent jokes, right? Uh, which I love. I love intelligent humor. And would always take us, I mean, we were always out riding our three-wheelers, you know, our Honda 185 and the 200X and the 250, you know, SX. And then, then we got into four-wheelers with the, with, you know, the 250Rs. And we were always doing that and camping. And uh, we'd go out shooting. I mean, he would take us skiing. It, it really, yeah, was real active in yeah, everything. Yeah, Work, home, yeah, church, yeah, everything. Yeah, very, very it. active, very, you know, well-rounded, just delightful. Very ambitious. Delightful dad, for sure. So that's where maybe you get some of that ambition from was from the old man. It's possible. It's yeah. possible. I mean, I, I remember saying to myself, I want to have a high level of education so that I can provide for my family in a way that my dad has provided for my family and still have time to be with them. Right. I, I want a good work-life balance. And I knew that that was a big driver for my higher education was to be able to hopefully have that as one of my... One of my Seems like he was able to pull it off. It's seen, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and to this day, I mean, yeah, he's still awesome. You know, we'd go, to, we'll go down to Rocky Point, Mexico. He'll, I mean, it's, it's, he's a good time. High energy guy, then. Yeah, yeah, always yeah. doing something. I think that keeps him young too. I think so. My dad, same way. Yeah, same way. All right, second grade, nitwit, start to develop all that comes with that. Yeah. So anyway, it gets to the point. I mean, I'm getting made fun of pretty, pretty extensively. And I, I had mentioned in a previous episode that I wanted to change my name to Eric because everyone who I knew in second grade who was super cool was named Eric. <laughs> and so here I was, you know, I'm, I'm for sure going to be an Eric. And I, I, bring it up to my, I bring it up to my mom. My mom was like, you know what? If you want to change your name, that's just fine. And I'm, I'm actually named after a town where my dad's ancestors are from, from Whitney, Idaho. Okay. And so, uh, I, I mean, now I love my name. I, I absolutely love it, and uh, I think it's such a big part of me. But back then, it was just a source of pain. For sure. And you know, I was going to change my name to Eric, and then I made an announcement at, at family dinner. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to change I'll my name. I'm, well, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> I, I'm going to change my name to Eric. And it was as though I had, you know, said... Like a fart in church. Exactly, dude. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, it just kind of goes quiet. 
And then I started to get more ridiculed for wanting to change my name to Eric than I was getting, you know, for having a girl's name at school. And so I was kind of trapped. And so I stuck with, I stuck with. Was dad or was it the siblings? Oh, it was the siblings, of course. Yeah, no, I mean, and it wasn't anything harsh. It was just, you've got, you know, wit, like this is your name. You can't just change your name, you know. And people would ask me, you know, why don't you go by your middle name? And I can't because it's Boyle. And so, I mean, I, I'm just, yeah. I was just, take Whitney. yeah, I was yeah. just stuck a little bit, but it's, it, it was, it played a huge aspect in me becoming who I am because I had to overcome that in a positive way. So there was a, there was a moment where I had to make a decision and the decision was how do I either one start becoming extremely violent and, and hurting people so badly that they won't make fun of me or two, use humor to diffuse the situation. Yeah. Did you, did you ever fight? I was in a couple of fights, yes. I was going to say, yeah, because I would be fighting. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was in a couple of fights, and uh, I, I don't do great in fights right. because there's so much pent-up energy inside that when, when I open up that floodgate, my body doesn't even know what it to do. It goes to black. It's crazy. Yeah. So I, I'm not great. I'm not, I mean, I just, it, it's just so much uh, at once. Um, and so here I am. I'm learning uh, that if I'm able to make better jokes about my name than you can, then it's no fun for you. Oh, for sure. I take this fun out of your sales. And yeah. then if you continue to persist, well, now I'm going to turn those superpowers against you. <laughs> you know, like now you're now instead of, oh. you know, coming at you physically, I'm going to come at you verbally. Now I'm Brandy. Uh, exactly <laughs> right. And uh, and that's just the beginning of it, you know. Right. And so anyway, it, that's where I began to develop my sense of humor. It, it was more self-depreciating in the beginning. And I still have some of that in there just because, you know, it helps diffuse a little bit of situations. But ultimately, it was to protect myself. Yeah. And so that's where I began to develop my sense of humor. I eventually, you know, became an uh, improv comedian when I was in college. Uh, How long did that take, though? Like, does that, like, obviously that development, you know? Oh, it took time. It took a lot of time. Timing was one of the hardest things for me to figure out because I didn't know exactly when was and wasn't appropriate to to, to lay out some jokes. I still don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I would, we'd be, we'd be at a funeral and I'd be, you know, I'd drop, I I would drop a pretty, a pretty good one and and people just kind of look at me like, ah, timing, Whitney, timing. So I had to learn when and when, uh, you know, is, is appropriate. And I'll tell you, I still haven't perfected it. So it's, it's, you know, it's a work in progress. I, I I assume (laughs) that it will continue to be so. You had a funeral at, at like, third grade and as the whole pew sits forward or whatever uh, you see that like oh god that's not gonna go over well <laughs> so anyway it did were take it did take that time were close to you did they like stick up for you yeah, yeah i did have some i did have some really close friends and they did they did stick up for me and eventually i you know with puberty i started to i started to get big you know right. like i i started to grow um, I know you're big into wrestling. Eighth grade, I was wrestling at 135, yeah, and and uh, and so you know, I started I started to get big enough to where people didn't want to mess with me, you know, in in any way, shape, or form. And so that's kind from of where second grade to what grade do you think you kind of were able to somewhat hone that to take the spotlight off you? To take to like sixth grade or uh, I'd say grade? sixth grade. I'd say sixth grade. You know, and then in seventh grade, I began to focus on student council. Because what I wanted to do was I wanted to show that I was, in fact, popular. I wanted a, a visible way to show that I was popular. And that was and I, my route through that was student council. You know, I wasn't super athletically inclined, and so I wasn't going to be the star anything. But, right. I, but, I, but I could be in student council, and I could be voted for. And if I was voted for, then that would validate in my mind, yeah, acceptance, the, yeah, acceptance, yeah, sure. you know, and, and so having grown up kind of feeling like I was, you know, 
less than others because of my name or because of just other situations, uh, I, I turned to student council. And so in seventh grade, I was in, you know, student council representative. And then uh, eighth grade, I was the class president. Ninth grade, I was the student body president of Poston Junior High. Uh, and then I kind of laid off student council in high school a little bit because it just wasn't as cool. But then <laughs> senior year, you know, came back student body president uh, at, at Mountain View. And and uh, for me, being able to validate the fact that people did, in fact, like me through voting was very influential and important in my life. I don't think now I would now I don't need that. You yeah, know, you don't care now. Uh, but but when I was younger and you know not feeling very secure in who I was and what I was about, that was a very uh, powerful way for me to feel as though I am accepted. I am worthwhile. I am someone that people are interested in. Uh, you know, hanging out with or. Yeah. or, or I was going to ask you: Did that was that your tribe? Like like was that like outside of church or whatever was. Was student council more of your community, somewhere where you felt comfortable yeah. and like I fit in here? These other smart kids, and yes. they're not necessarily, you know, some of them aren't aren't they're they're more intellects versus athletes or whatever. A, a lot of that was yes, you know, I did. That's I, why I was never in student council. <laughs> <laughs> I did feel I did feel at home. I did feel as though we, you know, I was with like minded people, and that was important to me to be able to, you know, feel like I could express myself in a safe way. And have people laugh at my jokes and, you know, feel like I could be a leader and help others. And it, it, it helped shape me who I am. Well, plus you're out, you're, you're able to um, coordinate things, develop things, whatever, dances, yeah. this, this, that, the other. So, I'm running assemblies in front of the whole school. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm the guy with the mic. Yep. And yep. so I had to develop the ability to be okay being in front of a mic at a young age, being in front of a lot of people, and just realizing it doesn't really matter what I say, it's going to be okay. I think at that age, that's even more scary than, than walking on to any type of athletic field. Like football, you got a helmet on. I mean, wrestling, you're wearing spandex, but that's <laughs> super cool. So that was never a big deal because everybody wants to wear spandex in front of a whole gym or whatever. Get me into that singlet. <laughs> yeah, right now. <laughs> yes, I'll take an extra small. No, I don't wear a large. So, but, um, but yeah, so, so, so that, was, that was where you could – where where you kind of finally found a place where no one's going to judge me by my name. That's right. They're, they're going to judge me on what I say. That's right. And my actions behind it. That's exactly right. Which is which is probably a real good lesson to learn for a kid growing up. Like, hey, what what I say and what I do is more important than how I wear my clothes or my name or my hair or whatever else. Yeah. At least I, at least that's what I was you know going for. Yeah. And so for sure. you know, and I I you know I was always trying to fit in with my clothes, of course, wearing Jimmy Z and yeah, for sure. you know Stussy, of course, the Jenkos and and uh, Zubas. You know, those, <laughs> <laughs> you're not that old. <laughs> and so uh, and so anyway, you know, for me, it was just a really validating way to feel as though I did belong and I did fit in. Did you ever end up uh, in the principal's office for running your mouth? Uh, I did end up in the principal's <laughs> office. Uh, I got suspended um, my <laughs> senior tell. yeah my senior year of I, I think the statute of limitations is is, is gone on this but yeah. so my senior year uh, me and a couple of buddies we kind of start this thing where we are uh, mooning the cheerleaders for the opposing team. What's mooning? Uh, it's where <laughs> it's it's where you uh, exhibit a little bit more than you would okay. normally, and so uh, you know here we are uh, after the basketball games. I think it was. We would follow their bus and we'd we'd move the cheerleaders and you know that was kind of what we were doing and so we would take my buddies we would take my buddies suburban when we were doing that so 
We get done. It was a Dobson basketball game. We destroyed them, of course, because we're Mountain View and they were Dobson. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then, you know, here we go. We're, we're on our way. We, we win the cheerleaders. And then we go to, uh, I think it was uh, Hoagie Yogi, which was the hangout back in the day. And uh, the next day we go to school and I'm in social studies. I'm in Mr. Walsh's class. Uh, I think that's who that was. And uh, over the intercom, can you send Whitney right to the office? And I was all, ooh. And I'm all, oh no, is this about, you know? Like, I wonder if this is like a student council you thing have or no what? No clue. I, you know, I've got a sneaking suspicion, but I'm hoping that if I just believe that that's not the yeah. case. So then I go in there and the principal's there with the vice principal. And, uh, uh, and actually, no, it was the vice principal who was uh, who was interviewing me because he was also my scoutmaster when I was younger. So he and I had a good relationship. And he's like, uh, Wit, what'd you do last night? And I'm all, oh, you know, we went to the basketball game, went to Hoagie Yogi afterwards, got something yummy. He's like, you know what I'm interested in is I'm interested in what happened between the basketball game <laughs> and the Hoagie it's Yogi. Like a cop. And I'm all, uh, we, we drove to, you know, to, to get something. And he's like, now what happened while you were driving? And he just like gives me this stare. And he, he, I mean, I know that I'm busted. I'm all moon, the dubs and cheerleaders. He's like, <laughs> okay, so that's why you're here today. And, uh, and so it turns out that my buddy, uh, his dad had this awesome OBS suburban, you know, brand new, well, now it's the OBS, you know, yeah. um, it was 90, I think it was a 98 Suburban. It was super sick. And he had just bought it brand new. And it was that great teal color. And it had a temporary plate on it until that very day uh, that we went. Uh, they had put their customized plate on the back of it. And it had his last name. And so when uh, when the cheerleader, and when, when, you know, the... the um, oh, yeah. The, the cheer coach saw the last name on the license plate. It, it was pretty easy to, to figure yeah. out who was doing this. And so that's how I got busted. So anyway... Um, Can you imagine if you did that today? Oh, no. I couldn't even imagine it. There's no way. No, I couldn't even imagine it. You'd be suspended for weeks I'd be on a registry. Oh, oh, I'd be on a registry somewhere. It would be crazy. And so... so now, you know, I get suspended so that the principal comes in. How many days? Well, he wanted to... The the principal wanted to suspend me for 10 days, (laughs) which would have made me had to repeat senior year. Here I am, the student body president. He doesn't doesn't like me um, that much because I'm... I'm a punk you're kid. Smart ass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so here I am, you know, and uh, and my mom gets uh, comes in and she like tears him up, and it was awesome. Like she was, you know, we were we were both kind of like, you know, my dad's a lawyer. Like we, at dinner time, this is what kind of what we do, you know. And so and so anyway, we get it, we get it, uh, we get the sentence reduced to where now it's a five day suspension. Uh, I lose my letter as student body president. Which I was like, I'm like, what's oh, a like a letter on your Letterman jacket? Yeah, I'm all, what's a letter? Yeah, like whatever. Yeah, so I, that that obviously didn't have much effect on me. Yeah. And then I wasn't able to run any more assemblies. Which there was only one more at the end of the year, and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> whatever you know, yeah. yeah, I I don't I don't care. You know, we'll Sam just Sam Young. Yeah. So so you know what? If 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 I'm sitting in the stands during an assembly senior year, I I really don't care. And so. Anyway, that was my punishment, and so yeah, I did spend a little bit of time in the principal's office <laughs> there, uh, senior year. Yeah, that one just oh god, yeah, th- that one would be hard to get away from. I know it was hard to get away. Luckily, from. Luckily, it was it was at the very end. Yes, because if it had been like your sophomore junior, it would have followed you. Not yeah, it like, definitely. Yeah, um, there would have been a lot of a, a lot of following. <laughs> well, that could have changed the whole tide too, because then if because then potentially you've never been part of student council. That's true. Any of that stuff like that could have totally changed everything. Absolutely. So, word to the wise: wait till you're elected. Yeah, <laughs> wait till you're elected and save it for the last quarter. <laughs> don't don't be screwed so. anymore. 
No, Word of the Wise, don't do that. Yeah, ever. <laughs> Especially now. No, you can't no, do it no. Now. You get in trouble. Can't do it Like now. big, big trouble. Draw, draw a moon and hold it up. Exactly. <laughs> Outside the car, something like that. All right, so you get through high school. Yes. You're at the end. You've now served your sentence of, of, uh, of, of five-day suspension. Yes. You, you uh, get to sit in the stands of the, um, of the uh, crowd for the last assembly. Graduate. What's next? Graduate. Then I'm off to BYU. So my freshman year at BYU up in Utah. And uh, so I did that for a year. How was that experience? Like, Because it can't be. Cr- it was. Did you go like when did you go on a mission? You didn't go. So I, so I went. I did a year at BYU and then I went on my mission after okay. that. So first year. First year. It was actually phenomenal. Uh, I love in a dorm. Not yeah, a dorm. I was living in the dorms. Okay. Uh, that's when I started doing improv comedy. Uh, that roommate, I did have a roommate, uh, my best friend since fourth grade. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so nice. yeah, Ben Robbins, phenomenal guy. I have, I just love him. Uh, and so he was my roommate and we had a blast and, uh, made, made lifelong. What's friends. a blast at BYU? Cause it's just imagine that. having a good time without any sort of substances. Okay. So basically like everything else, no drugs. Yeah. 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 Everything else, no drugs. You can remember things then. I can remember everything. Everything, Sometimes too well, you know, (laughs) sometimes too well. So, you know, at every year BYU wins the stone cold sober award from, you know, whatever. I can't remember if it's uh, um, sports illustrator or something, you know, they do, you know, yeah, yeah. I think ASU scores very high in that. Yeah. <laughs> never, ever. Uh, or as you like to call it, what is it? The, the sta- Harvard, the Harvard of, the of the South. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging and recognizing Absolutely. That, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, I was there at BYU for a year, did a bunch of undergrad uh, work, and then... Um, Do you have any idea that you're going to be uh, orthodontist? Absolutely. Or? I knew when I was 12 I was going to be an orthodontist. How did you know that? I love smiles. Like, <laughs> as I began to develop my sense of humor, making someone smile to me was bar none the best thing and the best feeling in the world. And so I knew the satisfaction that I got from a smile, if I could create a beautiful smile that that person could have for the rest of their life, I'd be satisfied. I could, uh, that, would, that would bring me true joy. And so since I was 12, I've known that my grades had to be up there in order to get into college, dental school. That's pretty big for a 12-year-old to kind oh, of... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To be like, oh, I got to get good grades because I want to be an orthodontist someday. I was, Absolutely. I, I was, and it's like I said, you know, when I saw how, you know, my dad was able to provide for our family and, you know, higher education was a big part of that. Yeah. And he wasn't ever pushing me, really. Right. But I just, I just saw the benefits and I saw that that's what I wanted myself. And so I knew from, you know, once ninth grade started, my grades counted for real. And so I was always, you know, having a good time, but I would study meticulously. And I would always study more than anyone else because I didn't, I didn't know this until dental school, but I've got ADD. And so it was harder for me to retain things and to take exams than, you know, than, than, than the norm. And so I, I was a studier. I definitely put in the time in the books. So did my year at BYU, um, and uh, and then any highlights in there? Any lowlights? Anything like that? Improv comedy, I'd say, was probably my 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 biggest highlight. Being able to get on a stage, and if you've ever seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, where they're taking suggestions mm-hmm. out of the audience, those dudes are phenomenal, man. That's exactly what we were doing. So wow. I was singing like on campus or at right. a bar. It was or? it was at a club. It was at okay. a club called Comedy Sports. We actually started it there um, uh, in Provo. Uh, I was part of the original troupe. And how many people? I think there was maybe seven or eight of us. How did how did you guys come to be? So I there? so there's a comedy troupe on on uh, campus called Divine Comedy. And they are hilarious sketch comedy. 
and they were, you know, taking auditions. And so my friends were like, wait, you got to go. You got to go. You got to do this. You'll be great. And I was. Uh, <laughs> Just ask me. I know. Right? Oh, I man, I'm so amazing. <laughs> so I go, and there was maybe 150 people that were trying out. Holy cow. And I got, you know, they had maybe four different callbacks, and it was me and this other dude that made it for the final callbacks. And so it was maybe a three-and-a-half-hour audition to for this spot. Dang. And um, and then in the very end, they picked the other guy. And and the, the leader of the, the group, who is now a world-renowned author, who mm-hmm. wrote, uh, his name is Brandon Mole, and he wrote... Um, cat in the Hat? Not the Cat in the Hat. <laughs> Three uh, Legs and Ham? Uh, no, he, uh, he wrote, um, oh, what is that book series called? I'll think of it in just a minute. Like murder mystery? No, 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 no. It's it's child. It's like it's like teen fantasy. Hmm. Uh, Fable Haven. That's it. He wrote no, the no, Fable no. Haven series. Uh, anyway, uh, so he kind of pulls me aside. He's like, you know what? You're just you're just not strong enough in improv comedy. Everything else was fantastic. Your impressions were great. Your your improv, you know, your impromptu songs, all everything was great, except your improv just wasn't strong enough. And so fired up then. Huh? Oh, dude, so Tell fired me I up. Can't do something. So then, so then I get a, I get a, uh, you know, someone pulls me aside. He's like, Wit, you know, we've got this improv thing that we're trying to start here in town, and and the gal who's starting it has heard of you and wants you to be in it. And so I started it up with my buddy McLean Nelson, and uh, and we were in the original group, and it was it was just fantastic. We loved it, and I made so much no money. During all of that, it was awesome. But it was all the diet Pepsi I could drink, you know. And, no uh, tips, no nothing. Huh? Yeah, no. It, I, actually, no. I think it was just Pepsi at the time. I, I hadn't switched to diet uh, quite yet, and so it was all the Pepsi I could, all the liquid fuel I could handle. And uh, and so in between sets, I would just be down in Pepsi just to keep my energy up, you know. And so anyway, that that was I'd it's say gotta be draining. Uh, absolutely draining. Yeah, it's absolutely cause... draining because well, and the thing is, is you'll find that the majority of people who are comedians and especially improv comedians have ADD and their brains fire so fast and that's what allows them to to go there are times that my mouth is 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 working in conjunction with my brain filter so it's like it's like riding this wave right and it's so close and sometimes I have to rein it in because <laughs> you know things will come that aren't appropriate for the situation you know right and so but I you know it was it was very fast you know look if you look at anything with Robin Williams you know just so fast yeah. and I mean that's ADD as, as a comedian and so it, it was very helpful for me to do comedy with my ADD, and it, I, I really enjoyed it. Because I don't think people understand how hard it is to be funny in front of an audience. Uh, it's difficult. Yeah, and like when you fail, it's got to be the worst thing Oh, it's, it's miserable. Crickets. Like, oh, oh, it's dude. miserable. And then you're just kind of like, hey, you know, uh, I'm, uh, right. I'll, see you, I'll see you suckers later. <laughs> I, can't quit. I won't be here all week. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. I just got fired, but uh, it's okay. The pay cut won't be big. So anyway, that was, I'd say. Every my, weekend? Uh, yeah. Every weekend we would do shows Fridays and Saturdays, and a bunch of my friends would come. Um, it was great. It was honestly just a huge well, if you're good at it, it'd be awesome if you sucked it'd be yeah bad. no it, it, in that case it was great you yeah. know i i i really in, i really enjoyed it and uh i mean that was well again that's your tribe your community yeah like those are your people like yeah. like like that's who, who who you spent your leisure time with exactly so you still keep in contact with with, with people from the group or not no? so much anymore with the group um but just mostly my guy friends from uh freshman year of the dorms i i'm still i still spend time with them quite a bit awesome so but yeah, and then after that, it was off to uh, Argentina on my mission for two years, and that was 
that was a roller coaster um, of highs and lows and happies and sads. And well, everything I know about missions and people have gone on missions, like it's work, like nonstop. <laughs> like it's not like you're not hanging out. You're not doing anything, like not a whole lot of video games. Bro. No, like a whole lot of nothing. And then you're kind of, you know, off on your own. And, and there's not a lot that you can like along the way you only get to communicate with your family so much it's almost like going to basic training like the first essentially yeah for like the first x number of months whatever you're not going to really get to write a letter here stuff like that and then probably back then with cell phone stuff like that it was probably even worse so for me uh you would get letters on mondays and you would you'd be able to write your letters on mondays and then you would get two phone calls home a year christmas and mother's day and <laughs> sorry, dad. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not that important. Yeah. And you're so, almost your second most important. And so you'd, you could get packages from your family and stuff like that. But uh, the way the mail system worked is I would write a letter and they wouldn't get it for two weeks. Oh, geez. And so like they'd send me a letter. It would get take two weeks to get to me. Then I'd write. And so like a month had passed from the time that they had written me that original letter. Right. And so I would, you know, I would just make my letters very articulate and detailed. I'd send home a lot of photos. And, and essentially that became, in a way, like my, my big journal. And my mom lovingly put it together in these two huge binders that I, that I cherish. Uh, and they're my, my, my mission binders. And it was, you know, it was two years. I, I learned how to speak fluent Spanish. And uh, I, you know, loved the people of Argentina. There were, you know, some people that I really wouldn't mind never seeing again, of course. <laughs> but, you know, I, it, it was definitely an experience because, you know, here I am. I'm a 19-year-old kid. And I'm in a different country. I'm speaking a different language. I don't have any relatives around me. And my job is to preach. And so Monday through Sunday, I, that's my job. You know, I've got and like a, like a 12 or 14, 15 hour day or whatever, Easily, right? yeah, absolutely. Sometimes longer or whatever. Yeah. And people in Argentina, they would take the siesta. You know, they would eat lunch, oh, yeah. which is the biggest meal of the day. And then they'd all go to sleep. Well, not us. We were still knocking doors. And oh, so you just got a lot of door slam. Oh, your yeah, face, dude. it was it was doing gringo. <laughs> trying to sleep. I'm sleeping. <laughs> and so uh forbidden. Um so I learned I learned a lot about patience, perseverance, determination, happiness, sadness. I mean, it it was actually a just a phenomenal opportunity for me to grow leaps and bounds on my mission and in the end i just absolutely am so happy that i went and just really enjoyed it how much leisure do you get in that like to be able just to decompress work because if you're just like anything dude like i don't care if it's for the church or not sure you're if you're working that much you're going to get burnt out so mondays are called p day or preparation day and you are free from proselyting on mondays to do your laundry grocery shopping any other, you know, run of the mail, uh, right. you know, post office or, or whatever. And you can get together with other missionaries, play soccer, uh, you know, do a big asado or cookout or right. something like that. And then at six, you're back on the clock. Maybe okay. it was six or I, I can't quite remember now. So we had that Monday. So you get a little bit of downtime. Exactly. And when you're 19, who cares? Like a day, it's e- not a big e- deal. Exactly. But I mean, that I was washing my clothes in a bucket, you know, like <laughs> I, I was like, it. <laughs> you know, it, P days, you know, it, it, yeah, there was generally something good that we would do sometime in there, but it, that was a still work. You yeah. Know, it, it was still work. Yeah. That's a, that sounds long, but I mean, for a 19 year old kid, like I tell everybody, um, my personal opinion, and it'll never happen, but like from the time that you graduate from, from high school up to, up to your about 20, that two year period, 
you're not doing anything great for the <laughs> world. Nothing. So you are not contributing in a yeah, positive way. No, like there, maybe if you're Mark Zuckerberg or something like that, some freak, you know, genius that, <laughs> that does something. But you're not doing anything. So I think everybody should do some service-driven thing. Yes. Like my dad says, as soon as you get your diploma, you should walk down the uh, other side of the steps, get on a bus, and go right to basic training. I don't <laughs> like that. Like, 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 I don't believe that. But maybe, maybe that's good for some people. Like for me, that that have been fine. Or you know, to go to the Peace Corps, or you know, do a mission or something like that, and then come back, and then presume you yeah. know your life. Because I'm sure for you, like even though it was a a um, religious driven thing, when you got back to the states, how much more did you appreciate the United States and what we had here versus? what they had in Argentina and what you had to do and how you had to live. Oh man. It was, it was, it was crazy carpet. Yeah. I was like carpet. Yeah. It's on dirt floor. Microwaves, (laughs) you know, and, uh, endless hot water. Mm -hmm. It it was, it was amazing that, that everything was air conditioning. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really learned to appreciate that, that stuff, you know, and, and uh, it was it was trippy coming home. It really was because you know here for the last two years I'm just you know so focused in this, and then you come home. It's like all right, haha, you're done. Yeah, and it's no. like wait a minute, it's a transition. I, yeah, who is Whitney yeah. anymore? You know, for sure. So, yeah, because then it was over. Because it right. happens. You're like done. That. When you're like, done, you're done with anything. It's like that's right. Now I'm back. Now I have to assimilate back into normal society. That's like, exactly right. I don't have to report somewhere. Or I don't have to do this. Or I don't have to do that. Like I can kind of live my life the way that I want to without, yes. you know, being service driven. Yes. So yeah, that, that, uh, I had a buddy that uh, made it a week on his mission. <laughs> he was going, I'm like, what are you doing, dude? I'm like, you're, you're going on a mission. I'm like, he's like, and I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, there's no way. I was like, I didn't say it, but I'm like, like in my head, I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, you'll be back in less than a month. Yeah. One week. <laughs> One week. Hey, Hey Steve. Yeah. Where'd you go? We went on vacation for a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my one buddy went and, I was like, "Where'd you get to go?" He's like, "I went to Minnesota." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "Cause how do how do you how do they pick where you go? Just it's all pull it, a hat. It, you know, it's it's guided by inspiration. Okay. Uh, the the uh, the higher ups in Salt Lake City they determine where they feel it's important for you to be. Like, yeah, where the need is at that time, right? Yeah, so and that's so it. that's my my ticket came for. Uh, to go to Venezuela, or not Venezuela, but Argentina. My older brother went to Venezuela. My younger brother went to Brazil. Um, oh, wow. And I've got, you know, family members who went to Russia, that went to, you know, <laughs> eastern Russia part of the U.S. Tough, yeah, my, 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 my yeah. So the, the guy I know that went to Russia, he, it was, it was definitely, <laughs> it's like, I don't like yeah, this. it was definitely hard for sure. And so, I mean, it's one of those things where life lessons, all sorts of life lessons. Uh, well, my buddy got a car because of Minnesota. Oh wow! Yeah, because the winter they like like they wouldn't let him go around you know yeah. like in the winter like that because it's freaking cold. Or yeah, for for two years I drove my Chevrolet legs. Yeah, so, so yeah, some people get bikes. So I walked. Some people get yeah. Some people yeah, walk 10, I, 10, 15 miles easily a day. A day easily. Sometimes it's hot down 20. there, sweating. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, all sorts of life lessons. How cold does it get down there? You know, uh, it won't snow where I was. Uh, I was in Bahia Blanca, which is south of Buenos Aires. How Buenos Aires and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it'll get cold. It'll, it, I mean, it'll get into the forties and stuff like that. Right. Pretty, pretty wet. It's a jacket um, or whatever. You're good. Yeah. So, and then, uh, but otherwise, it would get hot and it was humid. And so you're back. Did you have to move back into the family house? Uh, yeah, back into the family house. Just you know, because I got back. I think in, uh, I think in July, something like that. In '01, and because uh, I graduated in '98 from Mountain View. '01, got back from my mission. Was at the home uh, with my with my parents, and then back to BYU. 
in the fall of 01, and then I graduated in 04. So that three-year period, what was your major? Uh, zoology, with uh, essentially a minor in marine biology. Because it hit all your prereqs for exactly for exactly for school. Yeah, did is is that a common pipeline for dentists or yes. orthodontists to go zoology? Yeah, zoology. I don't think that they offer that that major anymore. I think now it's just a integrated sciences or biology type right. of major. But zoology with uh, and I, I I did focus a lot on invertebrate zoology. So there was this professor, Doctor uh, Lee Braithwaite. This is I love this story. So Doctor <laughs> Braithwaite. Uh, you're gonna have to sit through it. So, Dr. Braithwaite, um, kind of, I'm kind of stuck here. Yeah, you are. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, so, Dr. Braithwaite was teaching Intro to Biology. I think that was the name of the course. I can't quite remember. And it was maybe like a month and a half into the into the course. You know, my my sophomore year at BYU. And I uh, and he said, you know, next next lecture, you guys need to be here on time. It's a super important lecture. Do not leave. You need to be here. And so, or you know, you please be here on time. So then the next time comes and we're all there, you know, kind of anticipating what's this big lecture and he doesn't show up. And, you know, after 15 minutes, people, you know, people leave. That's the rule, bro. 15 minutes. 15 minute rule. You go. And so I decide, you know what? I I know, I know. (laughs) So I decide uh, at the 12 minute mark to go down in front of the class and start doing comedy. Oh boy. And I couldn't help myself. Yeah. You're glad for punishment. I couldn't help myself. (laughs) So I'm down there. I'm telling jokes. People are laughing. Then Dr. Braithwaite, Dr. B as I call him, comes in, he sits down. And I, I finished telling my jokes, and he's laughing, and he's finally... Like, Please continue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> finally, I introduce our guest speaker, Dr. Braithwaite. <laughs> oh, everyone claps and cheers, and he comes up, and, at, and I go, and I sit down, and then at the end of the lecture, I go down, and I, you know, I wanted to say what's up, and he's like, he, he looks at me, kind of says out of the side of his mouth, I owe you. And I said, I know. Oh, and so, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that, eh? <laughs> and so from then on out, I took every course that Dr. B offered, and he let me say whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, uh, because he knew that my humor was going to keep people engaged. Like, uh, you know, it, yeah, yeah. it wasn't going to be a boring class. And I took everything he offered. And that included a marine biology internship in Monterey, California for a summer. What? I know. Yeah. And so that's actually where I met Margaret. We were both in marine biology class. Margaret's Whitney's wife. Yes, she's delightful. I'm still tricking her to this day. We're coming up on 18 years. Oh, I know. I see it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long con. And, uh, and so anyway, we meet marine biology, ended up doing this externship. And so every science course that I could take from Dr. Braithwaite, I did. I, of course, I did the work, and I, and I, and yeah. I did well. But I, I just I love Dr. B, and, and that's kind of where my, you know, my, my science background came from in there. And then uh, applied to dental schools. Well, um, got married to Margaret uh, January of 2013. Okay, were you still were you still at BYU? Still at BYU. Okay, yeah. so junior, senior, junior at BYU. Okay, but did she go to BYU? She did. We okay. were both we were both in zoology major. Okay, All right. and uh, I missed that. Yeah, I did, and and so that and we had met in marine biology class, so and then did the internship together. You're not going to skate over that. How'd you meet? Where'd you meet her? <laughs> How'd the courting go? Like, yeah. So, uh, met Mark. There I was in zoology class. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> there we were in, in marine biology class and I was sitting in the back, you know, and, and telling my jokes and everyone would stop and laugh and, and then, you know, the girls would turn around and look at me, which I thought was fantastic. Except there was this one girl, uh, in, you know, in the auditorium that would, you know, like two, two rows down and five rows over to the right. That's where she always sat. She would never turn around and look at me. It was driving me crazy. And so one day I write this note and I have people pass it down to her and she opens it up and it says, I saw you checking me out. 
And she's like shaking her head. And so she replies back and she says, no, I just have a twitch that makes me look that way sometimes. Yeah, fat chance. And I'm all, all right, game on, you know, here we go. This is a little engagement here. So at the time when I was, uh, I was, my job during college was I was teaching Spanish at the missionary training center for, you know, up and coming missionaries. Paid job? Oh yeah. Paid job. It was a very well paid job. Uh, it was pretty, it was pretty hard to get. And so I only had, um, Tuesday nights open. And so I said, uh, I said, you know, in my next, in the next response to the note, I said, are you going to be hungry on Tuesday night? I think it was like, you know, Thursday or something like that. I don't know. And so, you know, I sent it down to her and it comes back and it says that happens to be one of my scheduled feeding days. And so I was like, dope, you know, exactly. So took her out to my favorite restaurant. It's called the trolley and, uh, in, uh, Artville down in, uh, in like by Springville in, in Utah. And then the, the torch came through Provo kind of that food, night. Bro. Come on. Oh, food, like they, they've got amazing wings and burgers and okay. yeah, and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and then the torch for the Olympics came through the Salt Lake Olympics came through Provo that night. And so we went and we saw the torch. That's legit. It was legit. Yeah, and, uh, and then after that we started dating and, uh, we dated for nine months and then got engaged for another three. And then, uh, we were married in December or January of, uh, January 18th of 2013. Now we've got three kids and two dogs and bunch of chickens, ten chickens and one horse. And <laughs> Tony, dude, need a goat. Need a goat. <laughs> Everyone who says that doesn't offer to have them there. You know, have their own goat. Of course <laughs> not. Why do I want to go? <laughs> I don't want to go, but you need a goat. Yeah, I need a goat. I need a goat. Yeah, I need a goat. So, uh, so anyway, um, so we get married, and then I'm applying to You're dental school. Twenty-two. I am. I'm twenty-two, bro. 22. She's 20. Yeah. Well, good for you. Thank you. Nice move. Thank you. So, yeah, I tricked her good. Did you ask her dad? Like, how's that all going Oh, down? yeah. Asked her dad. And dad's like, like her, her dad was like, absolutely. <laughs> you not. Please. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, and it, it was, I'm, I'm not sure if he was kidding or not. I did learn that he's got a great sense of humor after that. You know, he's like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> do you really want to do this? I'm like, yeah, bro. I'm interested. Yeah. So I went out and I met, I met with her family. And it was funny because I was telling the kids the other day, uh, when I was driving out to Colorado to see, you know, to meet Margaret's parents and family for the first time, I, I, got, I got so sweaty in my car. I was so nervous that I sweated through my shirt. And I'm like, what? sweat everywhere. Oh, dude, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what am I going to do? And so I took off my shirt and I rolled it up in my window. And so it was flapping outside of the car. <laughs> I was hoping it wouldn't fly away. And that's how I dried my shirt before I met her family because I was so nervous. Why are you so nervous? Dude, I'm going to possibly meet my future in-laws. Like, I don't know if they're going to be down with who I am and, and vice versa, but they turned had to be super legit. Yeah. I won the lottery. Like, yes, yeah, she, she totally lied about me. Awesome. <laughs> all I got to do is keep the lie going. Yeah, that's all it's I got to do. Just smile and say funny stuff. You'll exactly, be exactly. So anyway, uh, delightful in-laws. And uh, and yeah, so that's that's kind of where that goes. So Mary, graduate, top of your class? Um, I'm not summa cum laude, but I'm cum laude. Okay, me too. Um, and uh, I was on the dean's list for a bit. Uh, you know, still struggling with ADD, but not really knowing it. Did you do stand up the whole time? Like, no, just my freshman year. I, it, it it took so much of my brain juice. Oh, dude, I can imagine that. Uh, that in order for me to do well in my science courses, I had to just buckle down. I eventually had to had to quit my job teaching Spanish as well, just to be able to get as much studying done as I needed to, uh, to to make to make the grades happen to get into dental gotcha. school. So applied to a bunch of dental schools. Uh, eventually got into the University of Colorado, which was my first pick. Um, and, you know, Margaret, uh, I, I think Margaret got me into dental school as well. 
So How's she, that? So she, Detailed. yeah, I will. So she is, I think, certifiably a genius. Um, and so she wanted to get her master's in, uh, you know, and get, she get, teaches chemistry get now, right? So she teaches biology now. So biology what happened right. was she was applying, uh, she applied to the university of Boulder to get her master's in ecology and evolutionary biology. So she was sequencing DNA at BYU. Yeah. Um, like I, I married a, I married a caveman. I know. Right. Code. She's like, Hey, it makes me laugh. <laughs> How can I crack this code? I know. I right. Change it yeah. And so, you know, and so she, she's a C, she's a DNA sequencer. She works in the lab. She's going to get her master's. And so I was waitlisted at university of Colorado because my grades weren't, stellar that right. and it's a super competitive school but they, you want to have a 4-0 walk into something like that right oh yeah, yeah. It, if you can and then you know yeah. you, the dat or the dental uh, admissions test you want to have high scores What's i had that? never heard of that so it's the mcat for dental school okay and or, or the lsat for dental school it's called yep. the uh, it's called the dat the dental admission test or the aptitude test and uh and my grades were good but they weren't great and uh so i'm waitlisted at colorado i had, a, I had an amazing interview there so what happened was I walk into the interview. I'm super nervous. I walk into the interview and there's this panel of, uh, of professors and this old guy named Dr. Lindemuth. I don't think he's with us anymore. He's got my resume, my application out at arm's length so he can read his hand shaking. And he says, says here that you're a comedian. And I said, yes, yes, I am. He says, okay, make us laugh. Just right there in front yeah. of you know all these people, I ha- I haven't even taken six like, steps, game on six steps into the room, yeah. and I said, well, in that case, I'm going to tell you my grandpa's favorite joke. <laughs> and there, and he's and he, I already knew that my audience was going to love this, and so he says, well, all right, let's hear it. And so I said, well, there's these, these two brothers, and one of them's on his deathbed, and he looks up at his brother, he says, hi, Joseph, I think that I'm dying. He says, Seamus. "'Tis true. I fear it is true. He says, Joseph, would you mind doing me a favor? On the anniversary of me death, would you mind taking a wee bit of the whiskey that sits above the mantle? He says, aye, that's great-grandfather's whiskey. He says, aye, but would you mind, on the anniversary of me death, coming and sprinkling a wee bit of the whiskey over me grave just to remember me by? He says, aye, I'd be happy to sprinkle the whiskey, but do you mind if it passes through me kidneys first? <laughs> and then I just look at him, and it took me, I counted to three, and, and like their faces were just kind of stunned. Yeah. And then they all started laughing. And then I'm like, I got it. Yeah, I got this. Yeah, all right, now. let's sit down. Let's yeah. do this interview. Gotcha, suckers. And, uh, <laughs> and so then I get waitlisted, which means we want you, but there might be a couple of people ahead of you in line. So then Margaret gets accepted to the University of uh, Colorado Boulder for her master's. And then I called the admissions committee. I'm like, look, my wife just got into the master's program. And then, like three days later, I get a letter that says you're admitted into the dental school. And so awesome. I'm pretty sure Margaret, you know, <clears throat> saved me yet again by getting me into yeah, the dental school. Like, there. We like her. We'll take him as a seriously, <laughs> seriously <laughs> best second best marriage ever <laughs> for me. Awesome. <laughs> so then you guys move from BYU to yep, you, you go from, home first, or did you guys go straight there? Went straight to, uh, if I'm not mistaken, went straight. Um, I assume you're you're renting an apartment. Yeah. Or, oh yeah. Renting like, apartments and stuff yeah. like that. And then eventually, I think we went home for a little bit, and then we went to Arizona for a little bit, and then Colorado. Or I can't quite remember. It all is kind of a blur at this point. But then, well, Margaret up, actually said she would never move to Arizona. She did. She did yeah. say that this adamantly. Is, yeah. Yeah. She likes she the seasons. Me, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. She does not like the heat. And uh, and so we we were there in Colorado for four years of dental school, and then another two and a half years for my orthodontics residency. And then, uh, how was dental school? Was it everything you thought it, it was going to be, or was it harder? Because you guys didn't have any kids during that four years, right? Oh no, we started having kids. Oh wow! So she's getting school. her masters. She she you're gra- going to dental school. <laughs> yeah, and she's pregnant while getting her masters. 
In fact, when she You're graduated, slacker, bro. I know, dude, I know. <laughs> While she's graduated and getting her diploma, she's holding Ethan in her arms and like she gets a standing ovation. It's like, I got this. I know, right? And so anyway, uh, yeah, Ethan comes along in 2008. And no, I'm sorry, 2006. So I'm two years into dental school. Margaret's, you know, finishing up her master's program. And dental she crush it? Did she crush it? Yeah, her, 100%. her master's program. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They were like, you got to go for your doctorate. Why are you just getting a master's? And she's like, hold your horses, guys. Yeah. I just I just want my master's. I'm about to rip out some, pa- some babies right now. <laughs> exactly. We got higher priorities yeah. right now. And, uh, and so dental school was rough for me. Uh, the first year of dental school was all the, the academic stuff. And then you take boards part one, which is a big old hairy test. And it wasn't until halfway through dental school year one that I that the ADD really came to get me because why I, do you think it came to get you then? there wasn't enough hours in the day there was oh, not enough hours in the day to gotcha. study all the material that I needed to learn gotcha. and so I would it's called college <laughs> yeah and, and so for me for me my coping mechanisms my strategies everything that I would normally use to learn uh, it just wasn't working enough and I would see how much my buddies were, were studying I'm like you guys I'm I'm starting twice as much as you, and I'm not retaining it. What What were your coping mechanisms like? Like what What wasn't working specifically? Uh, like just so, for example, in in anatomy, gross anatomy, you've got to memorize just pages yep. and pages and pages of just random stuff. And I would normally be able to make up mnemonics or like little songs in my mm-hmm. head that I could sing that would you know take me through these wow. different s- scenarios. But I I couldn't make a song long enough to yeah. get me you know where I needed to be there and. You know, I'd be studying till, you know, 11 at night and then up again at five. And, and, uh, and my buddies were like, wait, what what are you, what are you studying so hard for? I'm like, well, one, I got to get into ortho school and two, don't you guys need to study this long? So someone says to me, you might want to go and find out if you've got ADD because I think you do it. And your buddies told you that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I went and I got, I was uh, evaluated by this. Uh, I can't remember if he was a psychiatrist. It's a written test, right? You take, I, to be be honest, I can't even remember anymore. (laughs) I think, I mean, I was so ADD. I know, right? And so, anyway, it turns out the guy's, the guy's looking at me like, yes, you 100% have ADD. Start taking this medication. And I started taking the medication. And it was crazy because my brain, which is kind of like fireworks going off mm-hmm. on the 4th of July, all of a sudden it was like laser focus, where, you know, it, it was just super intense beam of intelligence focused at whatever I aimed it at. And I never knew that my brain could work that way. That's pretty crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. I never knew that a brain could work that way. And the problem was, is my jokes. The firework jokes disappeared, and my my personality uh, got super curbed. And I was like, I I don't know if I like yeah, this. Like I'm really serious all the time. I know, man. so serious. So I I started to kind of you know decide you know when when to take my medication when I was studying, and then you know it wasn't a full time all the time type of thing. Uh, what they prescribe you? Uh, Ritalin. Okay, yeah, Ritalin, and, the, and then I, and then I think because uh, Adderall, some Adderall, but but mostly Ritalin because the Adderall would just jack me way. Really? Uh, oh yeah, like I would. Like just too much energy on that. I took out all once and I fell asleep. Really? <laughs> <laughs> we are different. We are different people. Uh, and so, um, oh, where was I at? So, so essentially, ADD took the meds, and test scores went dramatically up. Any issues with the fact that you knew that you had to take a pill to be able to be somewhat focused? Yes. Emotionally, it was very difficult for me yeah. because Why? I thought I because of the shame. I was shaming myself. My brain should work better. I shouldn't have to take this pill. I should just be able to be okay. I should just study longer. A, a, a lot of shoulds, you know, which yeah. is all just based in shame. And in the end, I was like, you know what? No, I I need this. My brain needs this. And and you know, I would always liken my 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 brain's need for this uh, as 
you know, diabetes. If, if my pancreas wasn't making insulin, I wouldn't feel shame about the fact that I need insulin to live. Where does that, does that shame come from somewhere else? Like did like, 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 was that a characteristic you have when you were a kid? That's a great question. I don't know if the shame came from always wanting to show that I was at the top of the game. You know, even from when I was young, student body president, you know, just always, you know, like homecoming king, human. just always, always at the top of the game. And now here I am admitting that I'm weak. Here I am admitting that my brain doesn't work right. Here I am admitting that I might not be all I think I am. Right. And that was hard. That was definitely difficult. I can see that for sure. But in the end, I'm, it's what I needed. Yeah. So. Fuck it. I mean, yeah. It keeps people, you have to edit that out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, um. It keeps people, meds keep people from doing things they shouldn't be doing sometimes. I right? agree with you 100%. Yours is a very mild case, but like for some people, if not, they're not oh, yeah. people. Oh, yeah. And and there's no shame. Yeah. There's there's no shouldn't shame. And, and, you know, I know parents that are very ashamed that their children have to take medication. And I don't, I, I guess I understand that in a sense, you know, as a parent. But in the same time, if it helps my kid have a better, you know, a more fulfilling experience in life. I'm interested in that. Yeah, and everybody needs a drug. Like, my drug is exercise. Like, like, like you know, like, yeah. when I leave pajama wrestling, like, I'm a better human being. Yeah. Because I'm able to get whatever out that, that I need to get out, or I'm able to block out whatever I needed to block out and be laser focused for that time, which, yeah. which, is, which is my therapy, whether it be on a mountain bike or sure. pajamas or whatever. So, so, you know. so, so my listeners don't know that you call jujitsu <laughs> oh, yeah, pajama, pajama wrestler. <laughs> you know, that throws a lot of people because, because today my framer, he's, he's been another custom house that we're building. I'm like, I'm like, sorry, sorry, I was short with you earlier. I, w- I was just going into pajama wrestling. He's like, that's too much information. I didn't need to know. I'm like, what that means is get your mind out of the gutter. It's, Jiu-jitsu. He's yeah, like, Brazilian he goes, jiu-jitsu. He goes, okay, I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> said that. I'm like, I'm not an overshare, Pete. So. <laughs> he'll he'll learn that you're not an overshare. Oh, he, yeah, he, yeah. he actually he's actually the one that framed your house. Oh, perfect. That I Pete. love Pete. So, yeah, yeah in that case, guy. Pete's fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, so take the meds, kind of struggle with that for a little bit. Like, how long was that internal struggle of 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 my this sucks? I have to take a med to be able to get done what I need to get done. I think the I think the struggle was until I took my first real big exam. And you smashed it. You like, smashed it. And I'm this. like, yep, <laughs> yeah. this was meant for me, you know? And so I, I was good with it after that. And I would only take it when I was studying or taking an exam so that I could still feel like I had some of yeah. my personality intact. Did you keep it from family or, or just your, just Margaret or and or? No, I think I shared you, it with people, yeah. you know? And, and, and here's the thing. No one was surprised. No one that knew me was like, like wait, Duh. what? <laughs> yeah. No, it was like, yeah, of course you've got ADD wit. I'm like, oh, I wish someone would have let me know a few years sooner. Yeah. Thanks for helping me out. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, no, no one was really that shocked, I guess I should say. So second year, get that dialed in. Yes. Then you move into your third year. Third year. Uh, third year is when you are, uh, third year is when I was um, studying to take the GRE mm-hmm. to apply for orthodontic residencies. And I was also, we had a brand new baby at home. Uh, and Wasn't Ethan. E- uh, yeah. So Ethan was, you know, at the end of second year. Um, and so third year was when, let's see, Pemberley came in, Pemberley came after, or Pemberley came during, um, during orthodontics residency in 2000. Uh, no, I'm sorry. So Pam was in 08. So she came at the end of my... Uh, It'd be in your fourth year? Yeah, end of my graduation. So between yeah. graduation and okay. residency. So anyway, kids, you know, I'm doing church stuff. I'm, you know... Busy trying, as ever. Busy as ever, dude, yeah. all the time. Nonstop, nonstop, all the time. 
uh, not able to stop. Just, yeah, all the way, full throttle, full, full throttle. throttle. And that's how I'd been for years and years and years. And it wasn't until my body gave out and my brain gave out that I realized, oh, there, there is a limit as to what my engine can take. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that, that's, that's years down the road. And I, you know, that's kind of the, that was kind of the, the beginning of this podcast was to let people yeah. know, you know, I, I'm recovering from an absolute burnout meltdown. And, right. And, you know, you can, you can recover from that. But, uh, but yeah. Um, so fourth year, finishing up, you apply to whatever. All the ortho does. residencies. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and got into Colorado, which was fantastic. That was my number one choice so that I didn't have to move. You know, we could just stay there. And Plus, that's a really good school too, right? It, it's a great the, school. Was it number one at the time? Um, for orthodontics yeah, or for? For orthodontics. Um, you know, there are, that's, it's a, it's kind of a high, uh, a high snootiness in regards yeah. to ortho. So everyone's going to claim they're number one, right. you know, but, uh, but we all know Colorado's number one. Okay. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's uh, not for debatable me, by for me, I didn't care where I went. I wanted to be an orthodontist. It didn't care. I didn't care really where I went. I wanted to be an orthodontist. The fact that it was Colorado was just, uh, just icing on the cake. So, uh, for me, uh, I, I just couldn't have been happier that they gave me the opportunity. When, when you, in the past, when you went through um, those admissions um, tests and or interviews, like, do you have a high level of anxiety going into that stuff? Or is that? Yes. Yeah. But I mask it well. Okay. Um, How? Because I'm, I'm an Just actor, I'm a comedian. You know, right. I'm, I'm able to, to modulate my voice and, and, and everything to where it looks like I'm cool as a cucumber, but I might be screaming on the inside. Right. And it's interesting you should ask that because in my interview, so at University of Colorado, when I was doing my interview for, for my ortho residency, I'd gone through the five or six different professors that were interviewing me, and I was finally with the dean, the, like the, the head honcho. And he looked, at my, he looked at my grades, and he's like, Wit, why did you have such bad grades in dental school first year? And then, you know, from part one boards, and then you smashed the GRE. Like, how in the world did that happen? I cheated. And, I, and I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, I'm thinking to myself, do I tell him that, I, that I've got ADD? Yeah. You know, am I going to admit to this, to this guy that holds my future in his hands? And the small voice in my head says, you got to tell him, Whitney. For sure. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. And the voice <laughs> says, you got to tell him. And so I stopped, and I, I kind of got serious, and I said, uh, his name's uh, Dr. Osterley. I said, Dr. O., um, you know, the re the reason that you see that difference in my grades is because I have ADD and I wasn't diagnosed until after those exams and then was able to take my medication. Then you were able to see what I'm able to do with that medication. And he just puts the paper on his desk and he puts his head down and he starts to shake his head back and forth. And I'm thinking to myself, I just, I just ruined my shot. Like I just over shared, I'm, I'm done. And he looks up at me with tears in his eyes and he says, my son has ADD oh. and the fact and I've known his struggle, and the fact that you're sitting across from me right now as, an, as such a highly qualified orthodontic resident with that disability tells me everything I need to know. Welcome to the University of Colorado yeah. Orthodontics. I was going to say, because it's truly a disability, and they cannot uh, uh, turn you down or discriminate on the fact that you have that disability. Yeah. So that's awesome. It was, dude, I was like, I was floored. You're I was, like, man, I would just said that in the first two minutes. I know. <laughs> hey, I've got ADD. You got to let me in now. <laughs> That's over. <laughs> so get out of there feeling good. And then that, that, that was probably a thing, too, where like, hey, like this further reinforces that I need to be 100% okay with who I am, yes. how I'm built, and what I have to do to get to the next point. There's no point in keeping it a secret. Yeah, not at all. Because it turns out people need to hear... 
that because they might not have the same courage or um, fortitude that I've got to be able to talk about it. And by me talking about it, then that allows them to open up and in turn share that they may need some help as well. And from our talks, I mean, that was the main driver for you starting the podcast. Yes. Just to help people. So backstory on on the podcast. I had started this one, I don't know when it was, but it wasn't very long. And then Whitney uh, was talking about, so I'm like, let's go for a hike. And Let's, like, let's go for a hike, man. Yeah, on that hike, we kind of figured out, like, this is why like, you wanted to do it, and, and this and the other. And, and the bottom line, even from that very initial talk, was I just want to be able to help people. Period. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I and and I I will look back at that at that hike. It wasn't really much of a hike. It was more of a walk. I felt kind of stupid wearing my hiking boots. But anyway, but you uh, look good, bro. You I look, look good. so good. Um, but shorts uh, are tight. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I look back at that hike and and the advice and the counsel and more than anything, just the encouragement that I received from you. I didn't receive judgment. I didn't receive any naysaying. There was no let's do a pros and cons list. It was yeah. just 100% encouragement. And that's exactly what I needed to be able to then say, you know what? Yes, I am going to do a podcast. You said, why don't you come down to my studio? Let's record. A, uh, let's, let's, let's do a few sessions. And then after that, I realized this is exactly what I want to do. That's when uh, I worked with 40 volt media to, to get my own studio set up at my place. And I'm so glad that I have, it's been, it's been phenomenal. I love it. I absolutely well, it's cathartic it. for sure. I mean, even for me, like our, our podcasts are extremely different, but I listen to yours and I like it and you're helping so many other people because I read the reviews that are out there and just, just, I think people, one, there's empathy that goes along with, with every single episode, but people need to know, like, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Yeah. This is, th it's okay to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. It's okay to talk about this. In fact, I had, I, I took a, I took a month off today. Uh, my, uh, what, what's today? 17, episode number 17 uh, dropped. Uh, and I was with a therapist that specializes in EMDR. Mm -hmm. Super cool thing. A super cool thing. And I just, I can't talk enough about how great it is because in the end, all it's going to do is help people. Absolutely. That's all it's going to do is help people. And that's my goal. Um, that's it's really good that I didn't I didn't I didn't show any outward signs of judging you, but inside I was totally judging you <laughs> the whole hike. Every step of the way. <laughs> this guy thinks he's gonna get on a mic and actually make a difference. Yeah, come I on. make the difference. <laughs> yeah, come on. That's why my podcast is called Make the Difference. <laughs> no, I, I like I said, I was I I you know I me, mean? I'm not like I'm not one to blow smoke. I'm like yeah. I'll be honest with you, but yeah, I thought it would, it would be a really good thing for people because, um, especially males, because we had talked about that, right? Yeah. So, so like, like I didn't know any of the stuff you were telling me on the hike as far as like the stigmatism that comes with being a male and orthodox. I'm like, that's a macho industry. I'm like, I didn't. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, like, like you can't show your feelings. You can't be human. You know, you can't show any chinks in your armor. Like, I was so surprised oh, yeah, to no. hear that. Like, I'm no thinking, like, chinks. no yeah. chinks in your I'm armor. I'm thinking, military fire. Yeah, come on. Like, I never thought that. Yeah, you've got to be, if you're an orthodontist, like, you have to be on stage all the time. You've got to not only be able to make 100 decisions in about three seconds when you're with a patient, but then you've also got to run your team. You've got to run your IT department. You've got to run all of your lab. And, you know, just at, you're running so many things, and you can't let any weakness show because people are looking at you all the time. So male, have, have males reached out to you and been like, dude, thanks for talking about Absolutely. Stuff. Like more males and females, you think? So I was just in Montana, which I know has a special place in their heart. Just yeah. in Montana a couple of weeks ago. And I met with two of my friends from my orthodontic residency. And both of them shared with me 
that they have felt trapped in their profession, that they have felt, you know, one of them went through a terrible divorce, just got destroyed by his, his wife that treated him not well. And so we talked about that for a bit and how well he's recovered and he's been through therapy. And, and, um, and then another friend of mine who has kind of bounced around from here and there and now has a small practice. Now, when you're in orthodontics, you know, you hear these guys and these gals that come in and talk about, you got to have this monster practice. You got to have multiple monster practices. But you told me like Taj Mahal. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that was my dream. That was, you know, Dr. Wright was going to have, you know, this massive practice and, and, um, and, and so they, that, that's kind of what they, that's kind of what they indoctrinate you with. And so he's in this little small practice in, in this small town of Montana. And, what town? uh, Ennis? no Kalispell. Okay. Yeah. Love Kalispell. Right? And uh, it's beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I sure. went down, I, I went down to visit him when we went fly fishing. It was right. some of the best fly fishing I've ever done. My right next life. to Glacier. That's right. And, uh, and so there we were, oh no, I'm sorry. Kalispell was one. And then the other one was down South. I don't know. Can't remember. Um, Missoula? That would be for... Yeah, that's south of... Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's Missoula. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Missoula, yeah. sorry. There's university there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, anyway, so uh, small town, small practice, and for a long time he felt as though this is it. Like, I'm a failure. If this is, if this is all that I've got is a little practice. And now he's like, I love my practice. Yeah. It's exactly right. But you have to overcome that... You know that like this is success exactly. Yeah. Let me show you what success is. This you know this massive thing, and and now he couldn't be happier. He's like, I want to live the rest of my life here. I do want a little bit bigger space, right? Um, because his patients just love him, and they keep you know they keep pouring in the doors, uh, and uh, and so I just for me, um, it, it's hard to get over what success means in the profession, and I'm sure that there's you know lawyers, physicians. Uh, firefighters, you know, uh, all sorts of professions out there where success looks like a certain thing. And until you reach it, you won't be happy. Yeah. And, and here's what I'm going to say is that you have to determine how much is enough because if you don't enough is never enough. Well, there's, there comes a certain point in like you and I have talked about this before is when you have X number of dollars in the bank or financial security that anything above that, it doesn't change your overall level like of happiness and all, and really doesn't even, it doesn't even change your happiness. It just makes you more secure for your family and everything that's go, going on. There. If something does bad happen, you can carry on for however long, but the money isn't, isn't, it, it isn't what makes us happy. No. Right? And, and in fact, the money can make you miserable for sure. Because if, if you start to fall into coping mechanisms to deal with the stress and the difficulties of your life, whether that be drugs, alcohol, you know, gaming, sex, gambling, uh, any any of those things that eventually will start to suck your money, you know, oh, yeah. and, and then and then here you are destitute, you know, and so the money can be it's it's a two edged sword for sure. Yeah. Or you'll have people who want to take advantage of you for it. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? You're you're a rich orthodontist. Yeah. I've got this business venture I want to talk to you about. Got this multi level yeah, marketing exactly. program. Get you in. I'm going to get you in on the ground floor, man. You won't <laughs> believe it. All you got to do is sell this sports drink. Just give me five hundred thousand dollars. We'll call it good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, you might as well send me an email that says that you're a, you know a, a prince in Africa that <laughs> yeah. just needs. I only need two hundred grand to get my fifty million dollars. That's uh, it. And so anyway. Uh, so you're right. Money does not make you happy. Money doesn't buy happiness. Um, but discovering what is enough, 
will will bring you happiness. Discovering your why will bring you happiness. You know, and, and that is you know what I love. So you know the book by um, by uh, Simon Sinek. You know, uh, to discover your why. That's mm-hmm. that was a big that was a big moment for me to be able to be like, oh my goodness, like I figured out the how in regards to building my practices. Yeah. I figured out the what, uh, you know, in doing that. And, but I never figured out the why. Yeah. And the it was why is important. And, 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 and by losing the why I lost sight of what I needed to be focusing on and what needed to go by the, with the wayside. Cause I couldn't say no to things. Yeah. I could take on more. I was Whitney. I could yeah. do more. You need me to do that? I can do that. Superman. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's funny when you say that because, you know, uh, in in the, if you ever seen the, the Pixar movie The Incredibles, oh yeah, you know for sure. We're just talking Ed, about syndrome this morning. Exa- well, there we go. So Ed Mole says no capes. Yeah, no capes. And the reason is because the capes always oh, we, we, you are your one. down are your downfall. Right into the jet engine. Exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, so no capes. You, a cape is only going to bring you down. And so I was wearing a cape. I was wearing a big old cape, and I was super proud of it. And uh, and it it just it took me down. And hold there. So, all right. So, you get in, you get in orthodontic school, start that. That's two year residency, two and a half years. Yeah. Okay. How's and, that go? Uh, that was that was interesting for for sure. Um, and so, it was a lot of it was a lot of work. It was a lot of difficult, but I I made lifelong friends in my orthodontics residency. Learned a huge amount about you know uh, all the facial stuff, like just amazing amounts of information. And is it more hands-on? Is your residency more hands-on, or, or is there more book or study? There's, there's lots of learning in the beginning. There's lots of studying and learning how to bend wire. So year one is learning and bending wire? Well, you're already seeing patients sometime in the middle of year one. But, okay. yeah, but, uh, but you know, bending wire, which doesn't sound difficult, it, it's, I mean, if you're putting... Bending rebar is not easy, so, oh, so bending man. wire to deal with micromillimeters oh that's exactly right and then you know you're working in three dimensions in the mouth which is a moving target which also depends on your patient's compliance and whether or not they're breaking their brackets and (laughs) wearing their rubber bands anyway so it's it's definitely something that you know it it, you've got to know physics you've got to know biology you've got to know chemistry you've got to know all of that stuff and you have to be good with your hands Mm -hmm. like the the dexterity and 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 i don't know because because i'm not or 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 i've never done it but your your ability to shape those things to be able to get the outcome that you want, like it can't be easy. It's got to be way high stress too. It is. It is way high yeah. stress. And uh, and and so not only are you trying to make the teeth do what you're hoping that they'll do, but you're fighting against the body's you know reaction to your movements and your patient's reactions to those movements, and whether or not they're coming to their appointments or keeping their teeth clean. And so you, it's it's a huge moving target. And, and it's you, not you don't see the outcome in in one surgery it's over oh cool like like now it's better like it's years yeah it's two years yeah, yeah. you know you know you're looking at two two and a half sometimes three years uh, it, I mean it can go faster there's ways yeah. to make it go faster I you know I, that wasn't really something that I was super interested in because I I didn't really believe in that but um, like more cosmetic surgery type stuff or something yeah I mean there's okay. ways that you can manipulate the bone that I think is more damaging than, than not. And so for long-term results, remember my goal was lifelong smiles, right? My goal was to give people a a beautiful smile for life. And so I wasn't interested in, you know, the quick bang for the buck. Yeah. Um, and and so that's essentially, you know, ortho school was, it was full time. And then, uh, we had Pemberley during my orthodontics residency 
And uh, when Crazy Maisie came along. Crazy Maisie <laughs> came along. Uh, she was born. We were living in Grand Junction because I, I graduated from my ortho residency in November 2010. And then we were working. Uh, I was working in Grand Junction for a dental company there. And I decided that wasn't a good fit. And we were then going to move to Phoenix to start uh, Reese's Dental Embraces. And How'd you get her to Phoenix? She was born in Grand Junction. And then two days later, we moved to Phoenix. Well, how did you get Margaret to Phoenix? Because she said she's never moving here. Uh, Margaret to Phoenix, that was, I think it was a burlap sack over her <laughs> head and some zip ties. And to, a van. And, uh, <laughs> and so, no, uh, she saw what we were doing was important. She saw that, you know, the, the goal of being able to offer uh, low cost, you know, high quality, low cost dental for people who needed it. Uh, she saw the vision. And yeah. she's like, you know what? Let's do that. And so she's in, in when you so you came back, started Reese's, which in Spanish means grins or smiles. Yep. Yeah. So so you came back. Was it did you originally have the idea of starting it with yourself? So it was always with my my uh, my my partner, my friend from dental school. He and I, you know, he's a general dentist. I'm an orthodontist and we were going to, you know, start this company and, you know, I would, I'd do the orthodontic side, he'd do the general dentistry side, and then we would scale it. We, we knew that we were going to go gotcha. with multiple, with multiple offices. So you met him in dental dentist, school. In dental school yeah. So, and then obviously you guys became friends and were tight back then. Yeah, we were tight, uh, super, super tight first year dental school. And then it kind of drifted apart a little bit. Um, and... And then towards the end of dental school, there was, you know, we kind of came back together again. Uh, and then we were working for the same company in Colorado, and he was doing really well on his on his end, but we both knew that it wasn't a good fit for us. And so that's when we kind of came together and said, let's let's do this. Was he from Phoenix? Uh, he's from uh, he's from northern Arizona. OK, so 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 he had some ties to come back home. Correct. Gotcha. Okay, so you come here, start Reese's. Who, who, who did he speak Spanish? Yeah. Yes. Beautiful Spanish. We okay. both speak Spanish, uh, and we knew that there was going to be a big part of you know the Hispanic market uh, because they really didn't have anywhere to go that they could trust. The only the only dental because you know I work in in bad bad parts of the city. The only dentistries I ever see is Reese's in any bad neighborhood. That's the only time because they're they're not because because I know you, but I've been I've been like, man, is there more than that? I'm like you don't see any. <laughs> you really you, I've seen one or two, but and they don't look like I'd want to walk in there either. Yeah, most yeah. of them. So we we pride ourselves on being in the communities. You know, you guys are for sure. We are in neighborhoods. We yeah. don't we don't build next to a Target. Nope. You know, we are in deep in neighborhoods, and that's because we want to support the community that supports us. Gotcha. And this coming up, Labor Day is coming up. You know, and it marks our ninth anniversary as a company. And every Labor Day, we do what's called labor of love. And what we do is we open all of our doors to all of our clinics from 8 a.m. to noon, and we do free dentistry. That's awesome, dude. And this year, because of COVID, we can't do it like we normally do. I mean, we'll have people who will stay the night in line to make sure that they're, you know, that wow. they get taken care of. Yeah. And this year, because of COVID, we can't do that. So what we've been doing is through our social media, we've been doing, you know, extending vouchers, and then people can come in. We'll stagger it throughout you That's know, awesome. the next several months. But uh, by the time we're done with this Labor of Love event coming up, we will have given away more than six and a half million dollars in free dental care Dang. to the communities that we're in. That's a lot, man. Yeah. That's huge. And we love it. It's you're making the difference. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to do. So for for me, you know, the labor of love, it, it signifies so many things. It's the anniversary of Reese's and it's and it's it's a reminder of my why, which is 
to give back to people who are in need, to, to provide smiles for a lifetime for people who might not be able to, uh, to achieve that. And so that's just, it's, it's, it's one of those things that really fills your bucket. Is so to, when to you came back. back, you obviously didn't make a lot of money when you were first out, and it sounds like you didn't stay at that company long, right? <laughs> uh, no, I never, n- no, I was, it was funny. I was driving my, my 1995 Honda Civic that, yes. I, that, I, that I bought when I got home Two from door my mission. Door. It was a four-door sedan. It had um, a, a black hood and it was a red, it was red Civic, but it had a black hood bumper and custom we left that. thunder because black ice, I slid it under a truck. And so <laughs> I just went and I got these, these parts that yeah. were just, you know, black primer. I just, and my frame was bent up. So I just ended up using drywall screws to attach. <laughs> I mean, I just had to make it work. So here I am, I'm the orthodontist driving up in this, you know, this whoopty and, and all the orthodontic residents or all the, all the assistants driving up in their nice cars. And I'm getting out and they're like, your car is so gross. I'm like, you guys, come on. Like, Look I- at all the wire that I that I uh, that <laughs> I wrapped around the hood hinges so it yeah, stays short. That's funny because that's exactly what I did. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, let's talk about student loan debt, okay? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's let's compare. So anyway, uh, yeah, I was I wasn't making a whole lot of money for sure. So you come back here, not making a lot of money. Yeah, young family. Yeah, you're like, ah, let's start our own thing. Let's do our own thing. So we knew that we were in Colorado that we were going to be starting the company. And so when we moved here to Phoenix, it was it was to get it going. And so I started working for a, another company in the meantime, just to pay the bills, right? And uh, and to be able to keep the money inside of Reese's as we were growing it, and uh, and then as time went on, as the, as the offices continued to grow and to build, what was the first one, or where was the first one? Maryvale, okay. uh, 59th Avenue and Bethany Home. I've Road. driven by that one. Yeah, that was our very first office. It was a Payless Shoe Source. And uh, we knew that it was for lease, and it was funny. <laughs> for <but> cheap? <laughs> real cheap. And, uh, and so we went in there, me and my partner, we went in there, and, um, and the gals that were working the shoe store, you know, I, I wanted to see the building. And my partner's like, dude, we can't go back behind the wall. I'm like, absolutely we can't. Watch this. Yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. Watch this. And so I'm Hold like. Hold my Pepsi. <laughs> Be a all, that's exactly right, dude. That's exactly right. So, uh, so I said, uh, said to the gals, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, we're interested in inspecting. You know, it's funny when he's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so, uh, you know, just here, here, want to see the full square footage and this and that. And they're like, we don't care, go wherever you want, you yeah. know. And and uh, and so we went in, we checked it out, and we're like, yeah, I think it was 2,800 square feet, which is tight for our operation. But you know, we were getting it on a shoestring budget, and that you know ended up being our first office and. Uh, has just been. You How know, long was the lease for? Uh, I want to say the lease was, I think, for five years, and then Ooh, we. Wow. Uh, yeah, you're all in, man. Yeah, we needed to re up it, and then when we bought, when we built that first one, we signed two more leases: one for Metro Center and one for Mesa. Okay. So we had three leases within the first five months. I want to say. Where's all that money coming from to fund it? Uh, that was coming from banks, really, and yeah. from us personally. Gotcha. Um, but mostly, you know, mostly you're from, hanging it out there. Oh you know, yeah, I, dude, I was. This isn't gonna work. Yeah, or this, yeah, this, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, it's that's weird. What, you'd go big. You're not. We a guy knew. That, we knew. You're you're not a guy that goes big <laughs> ever on anything. So inside joke, everybody. Anything I've ever built for Whitney, and I've built some big things for him. Probably the biggest pool we we've ever built. One of the biggest houses we've ever built. They, they, everything that I first present to him, too small. Can we make this bigger? <laughs> I'm a big guy, bro. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. And, and even when I think I'm like, man, I'm gonna make this big. Like, can we go bigger? Like, all right, let's go bigger. So, all right. So you got. Uh, I don't like regrets. I don't like regrets. <laughs> no, yeah. no regrets. Uh, Not one. Not exactly. No, no regrets. <laughs> um, so what were you saying? So you got. So then you open up three. You. you 
you sign leases on three. Yes. How do you finance the bills? Banks too. Banks. Banks and private money. Yeah, banks okay. and private money. And uh, and then because you guys aren't business guys at that point. Not not particularly, but we've got we've You're got savvy. Some, yeah, we've we, we've got some know how, uh, and we speak fantastic Spanish. Right. And so you're working some pay cash with drywall, pay and, cash. You know, <laughs> we we definitely were creative in that in that <laughs> regard. But at the same time, no one in Arizona had been focusing on the Hispanic market. They don't care. They don't, yeah, care. don't care. And so if you know, if if you were in Germany, you don't speak the language. No. You don't know the country very well, and and you're there and. You're going to find some place. You're not going to walk into a private practice office, dentist. You're going to find a chain that looks safe and is, you know, somewhat reputable. Yeah. Well, they were going to some place in Arizona that I'm not going to talk about, but it wasn't great. Or they were going to Mexico. But the problem with going to Mexico is you got to pay for your travels, and there's no guarantees yeah. for your work. Roll the dice. That's exactly right. And so, um, and and so here we come. We speak Spanish. We're doing no credit uh, check payment plans. And, you know, if you're paying cash in full, you're getting a discount. You're selling cars off Ampere, bro. Dude, it doing. was it was <laughs> loose and fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were doing great work, but it yeah. was we were wheeling and dealing. And within just a matter of months, our doors were just bursting. Oh, yeah, because that people. community is going to talk. Oh, yeah, and they did. And, uh, I mean, I was just talking to my – I was just making a presentation. So tomorrow uh, I'm presenting to UCLA Dental uh, School about nice. mental health. And, uh, and on one of the slides that I've, that I made, I, I was kind of doing a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a pat on the back to Reese's. And so now we've got, um, you know, because you talk about people talk. So we have over 14,000 online reviews with a 4.8 star Dang. average. Uh, we get we're, we're averaging seventy thousand inbound calls a month in wow. our in our call center, wow. and and it just goes to show if you treat people right, they'll take care of you. Yeah, because we them, take care of people. You give them a, a great service. You yeah. treat them fairly for a fair price. They're gonna beat your doors down. That's exactly right. right. And not uh, like reef builders. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are the worst. <laughs> um, but but anyway, it, it has shown it. What it does is it it reminds me that it's good to be a good guy. It is. It's good to be a good guy. There's nothing really to be gained by being the bad guy. Um, you know, greed has no place in this. And if you take care of people, they're going to take care of you. So, that so the first me, three, they're crushing it within the first six months, nine months? Oh, within the first, yes. The first nine months is when, you know, we're really seeing numbers coming in. Like we're on to something. Yeah, exactly. So we're looking for new places to lease. And we sign on my third partner in that meantime. Uh, the money guy, uh, business guy too, business right? guy, yeah. yeah, super savvy, so well, savvy. He brought another dental company, so he, yeah, far, he had, right? yeah, he had run another dental company and just crushed it with them, and uh, so he came on as a third partner and ultimately became, you know, the catalyst for for big big growth. He's CEO, because guy, right? yeah, he is CEO, yeah. you yeah, know, CEO um, and, and so just you know, with with he and I, uh, just really at, at this point. Really enjoy being together as partners. Um, How'd you meet him? Um, How did he come into the mix? So he came into the mix. My first, par- my my original partner. Um, I'm just going to continue to refer to him as my partner. Yeah, uh, you cool. know. So my, my original partner. I, I can call him other things if you want. Me to. <laughs> my original <laughs> my, my original partner. He uh, he met him through a church connection in Colorado. Okay. Uh, and so that's kind of how it, it had come about. But when he saw what we were doing and the numbers that we were putting up, oh, but he's like, he could, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in like, fact, in fact, he said, he said, you guys are riding a rocket ship. I'd love to help you steer it. Yep. 
And so that's exactly what we ended up doing is, you know, and, and that's what he's done. And as CEO, he, he, I honestly, I don't think I could ask for a, a, a kinder, more generous um, mentoring partner than, yeah. than him. Because he, so. he's quite a bit older than you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's uh, just uh, just the last month turned 60. Yeah. So. so that was, so after three, he signed on? We had three signed, we had three leases signed. And he but came. then, yeah, then, then yeah, he, he came, came in. Yeah. So, okay, so there's three signed on for six or nine months. You meet him, and he's like, all right, here's the plan. That's, That's right. how we execute. This is how we execute. Yeah, we had the vision. You know, me and my original partner, we had the vision, but we didn't know exactly the how. Plus, he has the funds. He did have some funds. And the bro. connections. Yeah. You know, to be able to get that. That's a big thing. It is a huge thing. Because when you have three dental offices, uh, you become a black hole to the banks. They will no longer lend to you. In fact, I know a company Why? that... Uh, it, you become an anomaly. You don't fit within any of their uh, their categories Does not anymore. compute. Exactly. Yeah, I exactly. I know a dental company that now has over 100 offices, and they were stuck at three for 10 years. Whoa. So, um, so we had three, and then you know my my business partner. Um, so so the business guy he signs on, and we blow right through that. We blow right through that. Uh, actually, we were stuck at three for a year. Uh, but then we, but then we were able to to keep going. And during that year, we wrote our operations manual, or essentially, you know, we call it the Reese's Way. It's, uh, I want to say, it's maybe two hundred pages, maybe more, of just you know how Good to stuff. how to run the company back to forth, all that stuff. Yep. And so that's what we did in the meantime. It's your playbook. That's right. That's our playbook. That's essentially. Your playbook. Yeah. So from three to how many? We're now twenty six. Okay, you're twenty six. At what point did stuff go bad for you? Um, around number what? Uh, that's a good question. So I, in, in five years, I was in 14 orthodontic practices. And it began to take a serious toll on me emotionally and physically uh, and mentally. Because not only was I... What year was that? So it started in 2011. Okay. September of 2011 is when we started the first one. And I was in, so I was, to pay the bills, I was in four practices for a different company. And then I was starting Reese's at the same time. So... Um, 80 hour weeks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and, and not emotionally stable weeks either, you know, cause as you're building things, you're in, in a partnership, you're in a marriage and you've got to, you know, try to figure all yeah. that out. Um, chief Terry Garrison says you're flying the plane as you're building. It. That's exactly right. I was flying the, you know, trying to learn how to fly a plane as you're building it. And, um, and I, I began to notice some red flags in my life pretty early on, but I'm Whitney. What red flags? Um, fatigue, uh, emotional distress. I would, um, I would feel huge amounts of dread as I was going to bed at night, thinking about the next day of having to drive into work. I would be driving to work and I'd be crying because of how, uh, how, how much I was scared of the day because I mean, as the owner of the company and as the orthodontist in the practice that was training the doctors and the staff. You're the technical dude. I was everything. Yeah, I but was you're every- the real technical guy. Like general dentistry, one thing, but 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 the orthodontic side, yeah, a lot more technical. Right? Yeah, and, and so, but everything had to be right. Everything had to be right because I wrote we wrote the book, right. and I know exactly how everything should be running, and it's not running that way. And so, uh, not only am I having to try to get things to run that way and help people see that it needs to run that way in order for everyone to have a good experience and to have raving fans and to have every, you know, all the Reese's offices the same. Oh, yeah. But then I'm also dealing with patients. You know, I'll see 100 patients in a day. 
hundred patients in a oh, day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dude. See a hundred patients in a day. See hundred anything in a day. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then uh, I'm I'm training staff. I'm training doctors, and then I'm recruiting doctors for the company on top of that. And you're actively doing orthodontic work as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'm starting geez. the practices. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm starting them. I would start them, and then I would turn them over. And the problem was when I was starting them, I'd be seeing these patients, and I knew that I wouldn't be able to finish them. So every patient that I would start, it would be a little prick to my heart of you're not going to be able to see this through. And, and the last time that I would be seeing them as I was turning it over to another, another orthodontist, it was like a, just another jab of, you know, this relationship that you built with this person, you're never going to see them again. And, and it was over and over and over and over. And I developed PTSD because you think of you it. cared too much? I could not stop caring. Yeah. I cared about every office. I cared about every doctor. I cared about every patient. I cared about every waiting room. I cared about uh, how the buildings looked. I cared about the logos. I cared about everything. There wasn't anything I did not care about deeply. Yeah. And I could not let it go. I did not know how to let it go. And became I became a workaholic. I, that's exactly right. I yeah. became a workaholic and I didn't realize it. And I kept sacrificing things in my life to be able, uh, for the good of the company. And I kept saying, it's for the good of the company. It's for the good of the company. And it was for but the you ruin. do something you tear yourself. It was, and it was, and it was the ruin of myself. Right. I, well, you lost yourself. I did. In I, the brand. It's exactly right. And to me, that I was the brand. Yeah. I was the company. Because you, you were. And luckily I did not lose my marriage. I did not lose my family. Um, did she ever pull you aside and go, hey, what are you doing? I imagine she did. You um, just didn't listen. I don't know that I could. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know that I could. I think if I had stopped to take a breath, that I would have fallen over. You're only ready when you're ready. Yeah. And I wasn't ready until I had fallen over. Yeah. You know. You had to hit your bottom. Oh, and it was, it was a severe bottom. So you're running that program for how many years? Five years in the clinic. Of Reese's, everything see. you're 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 opening them up. You're doing yeah. all the videos. You got the luchador mask on because I saw that video. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm 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 <laughs> doing all the media. Yeah, I'm on the Spanish talk radio show. Um, I'm I'm a celebrity within my own company, so I can't ever be. You got to be on all the time. I, I'm always on all the time. Yeah. I'm yep. always on all the time, and I'm Whitney. I'm his life with a party. Uh, you know, dressing up as Buddy the Elf, singing songs <laughs> at the Christmas party for everybody. Dude, you know. I want pictures of Buddy the Elf. Oh, I've got plenty. I've got plenty <laughs> of pictures. Um, and and it just, for my love of the company, my desire for it to succeed, my desire for the doctors to succeed, because as a recruiter, I was bringing on doctors who were selling private practices to come to Reese's. They were moving across the country. They were promising their spouses that everything was going to go great at Reese's. Like all of that weight was on me. You guys were the hot thing. We were the hot thing and it had to stay hot or else they'd be looking at me. So I'm just guessing all that work, eating like crap. Yeah. Not taking, like not working out, like not taking care of yourself yo physically. Yo-yo dieting. Yeah. Yo-yo dieting. Yeah. Not, not training or, or working out. Yeah. Not moving or whatever like humans are meant to do. Um, you're probably limited time with your family. Yes. And those are all things that, that are now completely different, right? Absolutely. So, so now I'm, I'm, you know, I was in the gym this morning. My gym finally opened up. You know, I, I, I could not, honestly, I could not wait to get into the squat rack this yeah. morning. Squats, deadlifts, you know. Heavy I, deads and squats don't, don't take care of it. You're probably going to die. I hear you, you know. <laughs> and so it felt so good to be, you know, to be moving the iron. But, you know, now I'm exercising. I'm eating, you know, better. I'm not going to say amazingly yeah, clean because I'm human. Yeah. 
Um, and, and so sleeping, your sleep is probably am, shit, right? Oh, my sleep is my sleep is way better now. Cortisol levels are probably max. everything was everything was was crazy. If you've listened to my previous episodes about you know going to see my naturopath and all the hormones and everything, you know things are are definitely way better now than they were, and my body is starting to recuperate, and it feels fantastic. Well, to, inflammation is just oh there, through the roof, yeah. through the roof, and so. Now, you know, my life is completely 180 to what it was. And that was, it was so difficult to get there because I had to let go. But the catalyst was that day when you went in. Oh, the, you know, the catalyst was when I went in and I had a massive panic attack in the chair. I'd had a couple of them, but I had a massive panic attack. And for me, my panic attacks are, uh, first, I will break into a full body sweat. I mean, full body. I'm, I've sweat through all of my clothes. My hands start to shake. I'm hyperventilating, and then I'm vomiting uncontrollably, and I'm crying uncontrollably. So it's almost like migraine slash going to meet Marcus' yes, parents. That's exactly right. Oh man, you just you just saved thousands in therapy right yeah, there. I'm listening. And, and so uh, that's to me what a panic attack is. And unfortunately, when you're in the throes of a panic attack, it's fear. Uh, the fear of losing control of your body and your mind, and then that spools up the panic even more. And then you've got more fear and more panic, and it's just this tidal wave of doom. And, uh, and it just continues to cycle and cycle until you're completely out of energy, out of everything, and you're just kind of this, this heap. Ball of mush. Yeah, exactly, and that was me. And then I had 60 patients to see. So that happens that day. Mm-hmm. How long does that episode last? Uh, I'm in the bathroom for about 15 minutes. And then now you got to pick your ass off the pick yourself up, up off the floor and try and do something, or was that see, it? And, You're and like, see I'm the rest of my, and see the rest of my patients. Did you see those patients? So that I got about two and a half hours in, or uh, after that, and I said to my assistants, I said to my assistants, I, you guys, I'm I'm struggling severely right now. I I just need your help. Please help me get through what I can get through today. And then it got to the point where I was just like. I, I have to go home. But I wasn't able to go home my whole career with Reese's because I was the only orthodontist that, that was able to do what I was doing. And so I, there were no sick days. Yeah, There was no such thing as a sick day for me. And that also added on to the fear is uh, I can't stop. There is no place for me to stop. I can't stop. Uh, and now here I am having to stop. And so that's when I came out of the clinic because I continued it whenever I went in and I sat in my ortho chair, I was having panic attacks. I well that so let's go back to that day. So yeah. I gotta go home. You go home. I go home. I'm crying the whole time. I'm going home. I'm shaking. I can't even really remember that drive home. I remember coming home. Margaret looks at me and is like, "What is going on?" And I I, I don't even know what to tell her. I'm just I'm just in the heat crying. She's well, you kind of don't know what to tell. Yeah, her. you're like exactly. I don't even know what the hell I'm feeling right now. Yeah, all I know is I'm crying and I'm, I'm romantic or whatever. Exactly, yeah. and so. And so then it's, and so then I, I, I tell my, you know, my third partner, uh, look, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And then I still had to be there cause you didn't have another orthodontist to take my place. And so I still had to be in the clinic for like the next two or three weeks. And every time I was having a panic attack, massive panic attacks. And it was just, and the staff knew we've got to help Dr. Wright. We've got to help Dr. Wright. And it, it, it was so endearing for them to step up and, and help me because they knew how severely I was struggling and they, they helped me through that. And, uh, and then finally I was able to come out of the clinic and the, you know, the panic attacks resided for the most part. I did start having some on planes. Uh, you know, if there was ever an incidence of like, you know, a lot of stress, I'd, I'd trigger into a mm-hmm. panic attack. But for the most part, once I was out of the clinic, I was much better. And then they started up again, uh, a couple years later in my managerial role in the company. And that's when I had to stop and 
and essentially retire and and step away completely and that's when i checked myself into my uh, 30-day facility at the request of my psychiatrist went to cr on for 30 days and that that's when i that's when i found what rock bottom was and that that program probably took you back to your childhood right oh absolutely what what, what stuff came out of that from your childhood that made you that that made you understand and realize how you got to the place that you got to um like what triggers are there like you know there was there was there was bullying issues. Okay. There was some sexual abuse issues. There was some um, from a young young age um, that you kind of repressed and didn't think about, and they just kind of came out. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I knew I knew that that was causing issues, but I had no idea how many issues that was causing, and that's right. why the EMDR was so crucial. Was because it was able to work with my inner child, my 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 the, the younger Whitney, and and help me to heal him at that age to know that, you know, older Whitney's going to protect you no matter what. And so once I was able to help younger Whitney heal, then the anxiety started to subside. He was, you know, I was still there, you know, the anxiety was still there, but it began to subside and began to heal as I was doing the EMDR work and all the other work that they were doing it there at Sierra Tucson. Because we've talked about that before you and I, I've talked about with several people, like you got to go back and fix that stuff or else it it never fixes like itself. Like you got to go back. That's right. And you have to, and you have to face it, and you got to fix your stuff, and you got to yeah. patch whatever you have to patch because you can no longer move forward. Yeah, because because you're going to be stuck right there. Yeah, and you have said to me before that there's a you have a hole in you that it doesn't matter what you put in, it, you'll never fill. Yep. And so you've got to patch those holes. You got to get fixed because if you don't, then you're gonna no matter what you achieve, no matter what yep. you do, it's just going to be an empty hole. That's right. You're all and you're always going to be chasing something. That's exactly right. So you spent you spent thirty days in there, and we've talked about it a little bit before, but like that was hey. No cell phone contact. Oh yeah, except it was, with the wife, yeah. and and no email, nothing like that. Like this is what you're 100 30 days, 10 hours of therapy a day for 30 oh, days. That's gotta be exhausting. It sure was, but I remembered. You know what? I served a mission. I can do this. <laughs> you know what? I, <laughs> for two years. Yeah, I, I can. Uh, 30 I can, days. Got this. That's right. I can do this. And what I did was I I made sure that I was taking notes and everything I was doing. That I I essentially looked at it like school. You know, I, I can I can just meddle through this, or I can I can turn this into a in fact, into an environment where I can learn and grow and work on myself and learn skills and techniques for the future. So I've got copious notes of you know being in class. I was doing all of my assignments because I'm a workaholic. I can't help myself. You know, well, that's how you are though. Too. Yeah. you're studying the same way, right? That's right. You're just being yourself. And and so that really helped me because I I threw myself into my. Uh, into my studies of of getting myself healthy again and it was it was exactly what i needed were you able to go back with the abuse stuff and confront that person or anything like that or that person around for you to be able to do it or like what was their advice because i have some of that in my family yeah um um that the the like some of my siblings were yeah but i didn't like i was never involved in it so and they've they got to the point where they just said hey I'm okay with what happened. I accept it. I accept, you know, that stuff. And they're able to move on, but I don't know if everybody can do that. Uh, it's difficult. that They don't really recommend that you confront your attacker gotcha. or your abuser um, in person because you don't you don't know what that's going to do. So they yeah. recommend that they do that you do that. You might smash their face. You the never know what's going to happen. And so and so they recommend doing that in a role playing sense of way. Gotcha. You know, in a controlled therapy session, so that you're able to express and communicate things that you need to express and communicate in a safe environment. Was that helpful? Like, extremely, extremely. Did they do that when you were there for? 30 oh days? yes, absolutely. 
yeah, that was part of it. You know, I had a lot of rage, a lot of rage buried in me that I didn't know was there. Right. And, uh, and because you're always supposed to be the big, smiley, happy guy. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm being, a funny I, guy. Yeah, I'm happy to do I'm time. happy Whitney. Like, I'm not supposed to be this. Yeah. And then one day in one of the therapy sessions, they tapped into my rage. Oh, boy. That's exactly right. How many deaths did you smash? So, <laughs> so what happened was, and I, my therapist was a big guy. And he was like, Whitney, you know, I want you to 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 start taking out the rage on 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 me, you know. Like, he put his hand out. He's like, you can start hitting my hand, and and I and, and it got to the point where he's like, uh, that's too hard, you know. <laughs> so he's like, I want you to go stand against that wall and and push against that wall and just release all your rage into that wall. And I was pushing on the wall, and the pictures were coming down. The clock came down. Drywall's getting busted. Up. Yeah, I mean, I was. It was an insane amount of rage that I did not know I had inside of me. And after that experience, I'm crying, you know, uh, I'm crying and, and then it's gone, but it had to come out for sure. It had to come out and had that come out in a non-safe environment. Ooh, yeah. I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. Good. Well, can you say when as a kid in fights, you kind of black out. That's like, right. You know, like, you, like, yeah. you know, like it's, it's so intense. Somebody. The rage is so, in, or it was so intense that uh, it terrified me that that had been living inside of me for so long just buried and to have it come out was could not have been could not have been a more you know satisfying feeling i was wiped for three days after that oh i'm sure just wiped yeah. adrenaline just dumped oh, like man. just wiped yeah out. all my muscles are sore like it was <laughs> i come back I can, there's, your there's, therapist was wiped too oh like, yeah three days off. yeah i mean and it was crazy i mean there was girls in there that were crying because they were scared oh, about the amount of anger that i yeah. was exhibiting because i mean they've been in traumatic experiences too and now here's this guy that nor seems normal and all of a sudden they flip this switch and exactly you know and he's this big green monster and so anyway that was part of you know the therapy was getting rid of that rage and and that's super cool it was super cool yeah, dude super it was cool. super cool uh difficult is all uh, all you could imagine but i'm so glad i did it and you're so much stronger for going through it oh 100 the easy way is just to not face it yeah bury it yeah bury, bury it, it and use coping mechanisms yeah. Yeah, to act it. like it's not there yeah that's like that's the easy thing to me that's the cowardly way Right, yeah. like the brave way, the warrior way. Yeah. The warrior way is, hey, like well, no matter what it is, I'm gonna go at it head on. I'm gonna face this because if I don't, it's gonna be in control, and I want to be in control. Yeah, for sure. And for so. for 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 as much as 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 we can be, right? That's right. And one of the things you said to me on our hike was, Whitney, you've swam in deep waters, and you've come back out, and I think that people need to hear exactly what you're saying because there are people who need you who need help swimming in those types of waters. Yeah, because because once you can take yourself or you put yourself in deep water, come back from me like, dude, that sucked. But yeah. it like it like it's it's nothing that I can't couldn't overcome or do again. Correct. Because it gives people courage, man. Yeah. And like in your cur like courage, I believe is contagious in no matter what environment you're in, whether it be sports or um, emotional stuff or in the military or whatever. Like when people see courage, it makes them courageous. It makes them want to act in a way that's I agree. It's honorable and. It, and stuff like that. So it, is, so it is a huge thing. Like, even today, like, when people listen to this, they're like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, that, like, now what I thought I was scared of, it's not that scary. This guy went yeah. through this or through that or whatever. And, and to be vulnerable enough to speak about it and let, because because honestly, when we're open with with things and we are, we're, we're vulnerable, right? We open that's ourselves right. up to get smashed. That's right. And that's a super brave thing that, 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 that some men aren't willing to do yet. Yeah. But, you know, once, once you can get to that point, like, Whatever, man. Like the people that love me will continue to love me and they'll love me more. That's right. When I get that stuff out there. The haters that hate me, they'll hate me even more. But exactly. You know I don't care. Because <laughs> I don't like you anyway. That's exactly right. <laughs> I don't want you in my life anyway. Yeah, I don't like you anyway. So you come back from that, 
yeah. better, but it's a work in progress. Obviously. Work in progress. Yeah. Continue with the therapy. Uh, continue with my psychiatrist, you know, take in, you know, medication for anxiety, for depression, and then start. Do you take it, it as needed or every day? Or? Oh, it's a daily. It's okay. a daily thing. Um, and, uh, and then I see my naturopath, Dr. Robinson from the hormone zone gets me on the right, uh, you know, things that I need for my adrenal fatigue, for my cortisone, you know, or cortisol, everything that, you know, that was all jacked up from decades, yeah, decades sure. of running at, you know, redlining my engine and just blowing past the red flags. And then when I finally blew up, you know, my body's starting to finally put itself back together. Mm-hmm. It is healing. And it's because of the help of my therapist, my psychiatrist, uh, my naturopath, my friends, my podcast, of course, my family, the support of my family. Margaret and the kids have been, they could not be more supportive and loving and kind and, and patient. You know, when I, when I told them that I was going go to be going to be going to Sierra Tucson for 30 days, that, that just broke my heart, you know, because here I am. You know, all I want to do is provide for them and be a wonderful dad and a wonderful husband. And now I've got to disappear for 30 days. But I, I realize, you know, when you're when you're in the airplane and they tell you to put your your oxygen mask on before your kids, I had to take care of me. I yeah. had to put my oxygen mask on. I had to put myself first because if not, I wouldn't be there to help them if they needed it. You absolutely do, one hundred percent. There's 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 nothing wrong, and 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 we've talked about it, and I've talked about it with with lots of people. You got to take a step back sometimes, man. That's right. And in thirty days over the lifetime of your family. Blink of an eye. Yeah, it's nothing. It, but the benefits that have come of it will be lifelong. Absolutely. Uh, they will be lifelong. Um, my my patience, I, I, so much more patience. You know, I I used to say no all the time to my kids. Hey, Dad, will you do this with me? No, I can't. I got this. I got that. My goal is to say yes. My goal is to say yes because kids spell love, T-I-M-E. <laughs> yeah, You know, sure. and, and so, and I've learned that I'm not too busy to do anything with them. Essentially, you know, like it can keep. And so yeah. I, I want to spend my time with my kids, my family. And that's what I do now is, you know, I've, I I run the podcast. I, you know, I'm, I'm working on getting my house landscaped and all that stuff for the horses. And, and I just spend time with my, my wife and my kids and just keep recuperating. How much of the therapy and the details of the therapy and all that have you shared with with your with your brothers and sisters and mom and dad stuff like that? Is that something that you're not willing to have that conversation yet? But maybe one day um, or maybe never. So when I came home, my sisters and my mom wanted to go out to lunch and just kind of get a you know all your sisters, uh, the ones that were in town. Okay, I think I had three three sisters plus my mom that were in town, and they wanted to go to lunch and they wanted to hear what I had learned and just kind of you know. And it's difficult when a family member goes into therapy because the first thing that that you think is, well, what are they going to come back blaming me for? Nothing. That is (laughs) the typical thing in in regards to, you know, uh, in regards to therapy. Well, you know, my, my, and I don't think my parents ever said this to me, but I, I, I assume they felt, you know, well, you know, is Whitney going to come back hating us for some reason because we right. screwed up his parents or is my siblings, you know, did they screw up? Yeah. And so they're worried that there's going to be some big revelation of, you know, uh, you did this to me. You ate my macaroni and cheese that uh, one time. That's no. right. And, yeah. it, and it was delicious and I wanted it. <laughs> um, but but I don't know. I, I, I'm not. There was a part of me that was worried that in that conversation after, you know, kind of that 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 lunchtime rundown that there was kind of a who who's to blame for this Whitney. Dude, you're talking about it. And I'm like, I can picture myself getting dressed, going to have that conversation. We're like, I do not want to go do this. Yeah. 
Yeah. I like I could I could picture myself being like, even though they want to hear him, like I do not want to share this. Yeah. Like, I but could, my but my goal is now to be open and yeah. vulnerable, and because if I don't, then I have shame about it, and I I can't I can't live with shame anymore. No, can't. And so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna you know share what I share and tell what I tell, and 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 I've learned about myself that I'm I'm codependent. So I will change my attitudes and my behaviors to please others. And, um, and I'll, I'll put them first at my own um, detriment. And so I'm working on that. I, I, I learned in Sierra Tucson that I'm codependent. And I've learned that... Which is a, which is a good thing in some situations when yeah. you know how to... I don't know. Control is a bad word for me, but, but when you know how to taper it when you know how to establish boundaries yeah if for you sure. know how to if you know how to establish and and uphold and maintain boundaries then it's just fine because people will prey on that that's for sure. exactly right yeah. and and so you know there was a part of me that was that was really worried because i thought well you know am i am i going to try to tailor what i say to my audience and in the end i just i just had to say what i was going to say because i can't control what other people do i can't control what other people feel and i need to stop trying and so i just told what i learned and who i was and 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 you know, the fear was unfounded because they couldn't have been more receiving, more loving, more more kind, more complimentary, just so genuine in their desire to ensure that they could do whatever they could to help me. Well, it sounds like, you know, your family's awesome. Um, they are. And I've met some of them or, or whatever, and they're, they're super happy, positive, loving people. But it seems like they always loved you for who you were. Whitney didn't love himself for who he was. I believe that's accurate. Yeah. I believe that's accurate. And then once, once that self-love that you could... You know, be like, hey, I'm pretty awesome. Just with me, with all my, all my good and all my bad. Like, I'm like, I'm, like I'm pretty awesome. And once you part of, I'm, it sounds like, like part of part of your, um, your transformation is 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 is, is being 100 percent okay with you. I I agree with that. I agree with that. Just w- I'm okay with wherever I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to be Whitney the Orthodontist. I don't have to be, you know, the big guy in Reese's. I don't, I, all I have to do is just be me. I think that's why, like, you know, that's why our friendship, I think, boiled from there. Cause I'm like, I don't care who you are, <laughs> what you have. I, Cause I don't. He I don't doesn't know. That's exactly like, true. Like, like, like we've talked about, I'm like, either you're a butthead or you're awesome. Yeah. And there's really, and those are my two categories. Like, yeah. If you're in the middle, then you're just kind of boring. But <laughs> <laughs> you're in the middle. You work for forty volt media. Yeah, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but yeah. So and like that's how I've always viewed people. And like, and I'm sure that through through your life and and as sex as successful as you've become, you've you've probably had to go into newer friendships or any type of situation and be a little bit guarded because it's like what. Do they want from me? Exactly. That's one hundred percent. And I'll tell you, it's been very refreshing to be able to make new relationships with people that don't care yeah. about any of that. And I, I, I love it. And I mean, I've got other relationships where that's essentially what it is: is people looking to exploit me in some way or the other. Yeah. And I just, I, I'm just done with that. Yeah. I'm and and, that. and right, rightfully so. It's like because it's too short, and like, yeah. wow, like you're not, you're not a materialistic person. You, you're not the show me, show me, like look, look, look at all, all what I have t- type of person. You're just like if if anybody met you in a Circle K or at wherever Sweet Tomatoes, um, it would be <laughs> now they're out of business. Damn it, um, they'd be like that dude's just normal dude. Yeah. You know, they'd have no idea about any of this or your successes or any of that stuff because you just come off as a normal guy. Well, thank you, I appreciate that. That is that's kind of my goal is to be you know just kind of a normal dude and and just be a, a happy and fun dad and and a 
caring, supportive, loving husband and, and just a, not a butthead. You yeah. Know, just like you said, I want to be awesome. And well, I think if you're true to who Whitney really is, it'll never be an issue. Uh, yeah, that's true. You're not built that way, right? I don't think I am. Have you gotten yourself ever caught up in that because 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 everybody's um susceptible to it like oh, of course like like was was the one partner was he someone that could kind of get you down that path or maybe got you down that path a little bit and you're like no i'm a circle back i don't want to be that guy yeah in the beginning when the money started to come in it was very tempting could to screw you up for sure oh yeah it was very tempting to you know uh want to fall victim to the, the lights and the glory. And I and, and people are like, lights and glory in dental? Are you kidding me? Like, it's not like you're in Hollywood or something, but in the dental industry, you are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and... and uh, Anytime you're making a lot of money, you're susceptible to it. I don't care yeah, what you're doing. Yeah. And so, gratefully, I had my third partner who uh, who has just... He's made money in his life and, and he's he's been around the block and he knows what true happiness is and it's serving others. It's taking care of others and uh, and being generous and kind. And and he and I have become extremely close and I mean we, we love each other and and um, and to I mean we would do anything for each other. And it's because of my relationship with him that I was able to stay grounded and uh, and I'm just forever grateful for that. Because I've talked to like some other buddies that 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 have made really good money, um, very young, very fast. Yeah, they're like, dude, I thought I was something special. Oh, absolutely. And 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 what they what they quickly learned after they got through that phase was, dude, I was right time, right place, right event. Could, like the yeah, the the stars aligned, and that's what and yep. that's what made it happen. It yep. wasn't anything that I did in particular. Um, you worked your butt off, yeah, for 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 every bit of it, but it could have missed. That's you know, right. And, and 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 that's exactly what 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 they say is like, dude. I was I was fooling myself, thinking I was better than I was. I was not the secret sauce. <laughs> yeah, right. That, yeah. I mean, it, it, and so you know, knowing that now has been very crucial in understanding that it doesn't matter what I am, what I do. It, it's just it's important for me to be me. That's awesome. So what's next? Because I know the podcast. It's really something just the start of, of kind of what you want to do. Yeah. And, so so and what, what what's next is I I want to <laughs> I want to share my story. You know, like I want to get I want to get uh, my story out there. I want to be able to help people, and that includes public speaking. You know, I'm I'm gonna be you know like I said tomorrow giving a big presentation over Zoom to uh, to the entire UCLA dental campus, and um, and then I've got other arenas that I'm gonna be working into. I I I think I'll probably end up writing a book, uh, maybe a couple. Awesome. I've got a couple of different ideas for that. Uh, and then just ultimately continue to help people. Where that goes, I don't know, you know. And so it was funny. I was talking to my buddy, my buddy uh, that I went to BYU with freshman year. Um, we were on the same floor. We became really good friends. He's a pretty popular YouTuber right now. His name's Mark Rober. And uh, Mark, Mark and I were talking about kind of my reset here. And he's like, Wit, because we both, we both love video games. He's like, Wit, you don't understand. It's like... It, you're now Zelda that just appeared <laughs> with a wooden sword and a wooden shield and three hearts, and you get the whole adventure over again. And how exciting is that? Yeah. You know, like you you don't know where your adventure's taking you, and you get to play the game and do the whole adventure. And he says, I think that's so exciting. And you're young still, man. That's right. Like just what, barely 41? Just, no, I just turned 40 in May. Yeah, I just turned 40. So, yeah. So, and, uh, so now here I am with a goal to help people and to spread, you know, my message of, 
you know, it's okay to get help. It's okay to, to, to look at the red flags and, and to get help because I'll tell you, rock bottom is not a comfortable place to be. It, right. is, it is an uncomfortable place to be, but it's the perfect place to start a new foundation of a new place. And he's not saying it, but what he told me was on top of doing that, his other huge goal is to be the best dad and best husband that he could be for the rest of the time that he's here because, because you, you, you almost missed some of the good stuff, right? That's right. You know, without my, you know, my psychiatrist said to me, Whitney, you're, you're so tore up that, you know, right now you're having panic attacks. Pretty soon it's going to be heart attacks. So you need to make a decision because you're going to either, you're going to heal or you're going to die. And that was a big wake up call because the last thing that I wanted to do was trick myself into thinking that I was doing all of this for my family, you know, um, and then lose my family in doing it. And so I wanted to just be, I wanted to, I wanted to be a present dad. You know, I wanted to not be distracted or, um, well, and they're all at such a good age to where yeah. that that whole transformation back to who you really are, it happened at the right time, It's right? exactly right, yeah. And I couldn't be more grateful that it did. I mean, I like you said, I swam in deep waters, and they were turbulent, and they it was rough, but I'm so glad I did, and I came out the other side because not only am I a beneficiary, but my, but my wife and my kids are as well. So, and, and we just, you know, during this, during COVID and, and the quarantine, you know, we have really just been able to be together as a family and it's been, it's been delightful to reconnect and, and to just really strengthen our bonds. Where's Reese's going? You guys going to sell it, keep it around? You know, um, there's always talks of a sale. There's always talks of keeping it around. You just, you just never know. It just kind of ride the wave and see. Yeah, it just kind of depends. You know, I know that, uh, we're in, we're in four States right now. Uh, we want to continue to to grow within those markets and and continue to you know bring high quality work for less to to all the the people that need it, and um, I think I think we've seen over four hundred thousand patients now, God, that's and, amazing, man. and in eight in nine years nine years next month, and uh, and, and we're just uh, that's what makes us happy. I mean that's that's our why is to is to take care of people, and so. We'll we'll see what happens. I'm not sure. I know that uh, I know my heart's with Reese's, but um, it's not my identity anymore. Right, and 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 nor should it be. Yeah, but I mean, um, I'll tell a quick story too. Like at the time we were building Whitney's house, there's there's a friend of ours. I'll call my friend because he's a friend that that had lost all of his teeth but one in a motorcycle accident. So, and I didn't know Whitney that that well at that point I, I think i just started building building your house and we were building our rapport and all that kind of stuff and i and i approached whitney and i said hey man i got a guy here's the deal he only has one tooth um looks like jack jack <laughs> <laughs> num num cookie yeah. doesn't have a lot of money but we'd like to be able to help him out and we're going to come up with some of the money to help him i'm like is there anything that you can do he's like yep this this what you're this what you're going to do without hesitation Rips out a card, his own personal card, writes some stuff on the back, says, have him take this in there, tell him that he's a personal friend of Dr. Wright, and they're going to charge him this much, and they're going to have to do this much, and they'll put him on a program, and no matter how long it takes him to pay it off, we'll take care of it. And this guy had been to several guys to try and get this thing done, and the prices were insane. Like, yeah. he'd, like, like he, he, he had to sell both his kidneys to be able to even afford it. So that guy came in. Uh, myself, uh, a couple employees, and my business partner, we came up with the down payment, which was small. 
and then he was responsible for making the monthly payments because we didn't want him to do the whole thing for him. Like we wanted him to have some ownership in that process. So he did it, went through it. So he'd been married, never took wedding photos because you know just had the one two stuff like yeah. that. I don't know if I even told you this, but but he, he they redid all the wedding photos. I didn't know that. Yeah, redid all the wedding photos. Oh, so they could wow. have real, real wedding photos. And then um, he didn't tell his mom or his sister that any of this stuff happened. So he showed up to the house um, when mom and sister were there with the with the brand new grill. And he said, immediately, dude, they just started bawling, oh, crying. That's oh, my so God. Nice. So to this day, he's a changed dude. Just from that little, little, little small gift you gave him, he's a changed man. Has his confidence, how he acts, everything, man. It's it's so crazy to think that Thank just you. being able to get a, a guy his teeth would would transform him that much. So I've thanked you in person, but I want people to hear this story because thank you. Even though he's on here telling what he does, he backs up what he does with his actions, and it, nice. and and he didn't have to go out and do that for us or 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 for this individual. Like I'm not gonna say who's who his name is, but he, but he did. He's a very kind man. Will, will always be a very kind man. But the, the 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 one thing that I think I appreciate too about that is you're a kind guy, but don't mistake your kindness for weakness. <laughs> uh, don't mess with me, man. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, yeah, no, and, and, and like and like those are the kind of guys I like. I like to be around generous, nice guys, but don't ever mistake that for for weakness because they will smash you <laughs> <laughs> well thank you I appreciate that uh, that that follow-up on that story and and uh, I remember just how excited you guys were here at reef to you know reef builders to, to put your to put your money together and and to, to help to to re reconfigure his life oh yeah for and, sure it's I crazy. Mean, he, you know and and now I'm gonna now I'm gonna return the favor on Brandon so Brandon me on here with reef builders he uh, is consistently looking for ways to help people in in ways that I wouldn't even imagine. And I mean, right now he's working uh, with uh, with canine units, oh, yeah, AZ and search dogs, AZ search dogs, and just always helping people. And so that's I think that's why I, I've hit it off so well with Brandon uh, from the start is because it's very rare you find someone that's so kind and generous and able to do so many things at once and, and just help people it genuinely has a desire to help people. You know, he's like wit, you know, we've got to get your blazer going. Like, let, oh, let, for you sure. Know, let, let, yeah. It's let's, almost cruising weather, bro. Exactly. We get that thing fired we, and, up. and so just always helping me and helping everyone else. And so I just, I really cherish my relationship with you, Brandon. So thank you for, for sure. you know, not only, not only, you know, interviewing me today, but also just for being such a wonderful influence in my life. Love you, brother. I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks for trusting me. Absolutely. Ooh all this today i think that's a wrap i think we did all right what do you think i think so I, what's our time chris two hours two minutes, two hours and two minutes. <laughs> awesome like, awesome goes I, by fast right so fast and when I, you're on that side it's like oh, a time warp man it's a, a time warp over here too it, it is when that when you're the guest especially on your own show you know oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and 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 you were like uh you're like two times the speed coming out of your mouth sometimes. Like he's 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 ripping and roaring oh, right now. Man, yeah, that's the ADD. Well, no, I think because I got the same way in mind. Like when I started talking, just like, and you're like, what the hell did I just say? <laughs> I, I, I didn't remember what I said in the first thirty minutes. I know like, everyone yeah. was over my. I don't even know what yeah. I just said. But yeah. Well, hopefully, out. hopefully it all makes sense and coalesces. <laughs> I think it will because um, we follow a timeline. That that's true. That's what help, helps me stay on track. That's, if you can. Follow some kind of timeline. That's true. Well, right. thank you very much. And uh, just uh, once again, want to thank Brandon Mion of Reef Builders and also the creator and host of Make the Difference podcast for taking the time out of his 
busy schedule to interview me. Uh, this this was definitely an interesting and I'm going to say it was a difficult experience for me in, in a way because, you know, here I am. Generally, I'll share things that coincide with my with my current guest. But to, to be the one on the receiving end of the questions, that that's different. And it just gives me a full you know, new respect for those who are brave enough <laughs> to come on the show. And uh, and I'm just just. Uh, couldn't be more grateful. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, you're always free to check out Brandon Mion's podcast. That's uh, Make the Difference podcast. And uh, he's uh, one of the owners of uh, the creator and owner of Reef Builders and Firefighter, uh, Pajama Wrestler, Jiu-Jitsu. You just got your blue belt. I did. Congratulations. I did. So, Thank you. so impressed. So proud. Amateur tattoo artist and uh, I don't know, a couple other things. So, you did awesome, right. dude. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. One more thing I forgot to tell you guys about. I forgot to tell you how to find us. So you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, at Make the Difference Podcast. So on social media, Facebook and Instagram, we are at Make the Difference Podcast. You can also find us online at MakeTheDifferencePodcast.com. Um, you know, I really encourage everyone to give us feedback, um, good, bad, or indifferent. We want to hear it. We want to make, uh, this as best as it can be. Um, you know, so we're open to any suggestions, positive or negative feedback. Don't be afraid to drop it on us. So, uh, other than that, that's all I got.